the time has come. The time is now. In This Corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we change levels and shoot for the audio takedown that is fueled by another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear and back with yet another absolutely loaded show. I back. Trust me. I back. Seriously, buckle up here, folks. This one is going to be a good one as we roll out a gluttony of guests and get you all kinds of fired up for this weekend's UFC on Fox Card in Calgary. That is much, much anticipated, to say the least. Seriously, let me tell you who's going to be on this show because I swear, I swear this time, yes, you will be impressed. I'm not impressed by your performance. Oh, come on. Get a load of this. Of course, we've got my tag team partner, Muhammad King Mo Lawal, to preview the action and break down the latest news in MMA, including that 10-man field in a loaded Bellator welterweight Grand Prix tournament. But that's not all. You will also hear from a few of the participants in my interviews conducted last week with Bellator CEO Scott Coker, former welterweight champion Douglas Lima, and the flashy and fun MVP himself, Michael Venom Page. You're, yeah, you're going to want to hear that. But wait, yes. That's not all. Along with our preview of UFC Calgary, you also hear from a trio of competitors. We're talking about Jeremy Stevens, the little heathen, who talks about his preparation to face former featherweight champion Jose Aldo in the Cole main event. And we will catch up with both main event participants as Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez exchange some heated insults ahead of their lightweight duel, the rematch after that controversial ending last year in Dallas. Good stuff here. Good stuff you're going to want to ingest. Look, I can tell you from experience, this show smells great, folks. Really, you're not going to want to miss. It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. But let me remind you before we get to the good stuff, if you have yet to do your part in this audio revolution, and have your voice be heard, let me tell you this. If you hear something on today's show that you like, if you see something, say something. Please log on in. Head on over. Whatever you have to do, take a bus to Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio. Subscribe, rate, review. Give us that five-star review. Hey, tell us what you like about this show. Your big King Momark, put it in the comments. It goes a very, very long way. And one more thing. You already know about CBS Sports HQ, your live 24-7 streaming sports network on your phone, stream it on your TV, your tablet, whatever you got to do. You'll see the Brian Campbell breaking down fights for you. But you can also see a little bit more than that. Every morning, right when you wake up, you can get the best highlights, the biggest sports stories right in your inbox with the CBS Sports HQ newsletter packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. So you wake up, you check out them DMs, right? They're, they're a mess. They're, a, they're an absolute mess. After the DMs, head on over to that inbox. You want to start your day the right way, all right? This is how you do it. Go to cbssports.com slash hqdaily to subscribe. But before we bring in that tough SOB, King Mo. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. Hey, damn all right with me as well from one gangster to another, Chael. Never piss off a gangster. Before we hear from that king, the, the, the man of royalty in this sport, let's toss it over to a trio of Bellator interviews I conducted last week in Manhattan at a news conference put on by DAZN to announce this 10-man loaded Bellator field. The only caveat here is that the time of these chats 
Paul Daly had not yet been added to the tournament field. You'll hear me ask about him. Obviously, that's changed, so keep that in mind. But after these, we will head on out to the park and tag in my good buddy, King Mo. You're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Oh, how dare you, Nate? You don't mean that. You do not mean that. But it's time to unload. Hey, take some time away, right? Go on a drive. Put the windows down. Enjoy this MMA audio. It's all yours. Here we go. Bellator CEO Scott Coker, the big U.S. deal with the zone making headlines, Scott, along with the launch of the welterweight Grand Prix tournament. You know we love tournaments as MMA fans, so congratulations on this. How big, from a long-range standpoint, is this deal for your future? I mean, it's big. When we sat down with uh, James and Juan and the guys over at the zone, you know, their goal was they said, look, that pay-per-view fight that you did last year uh, at the Garden, we want that fight card quality on zone. We want you to, you know, put put the big, big, big shows, and uh, we and we want to simulcast your shows on Paramount. So uh, you know, they made the deal, and and then we started talking, and we started getting to the nitty gritty about, look, what, what what does this look like? And I said, you know what, we we want to launch a welterweight tournament, and we think this would be a great piece of business because the heavyweight tournament has been so successful. I think people appreciate a good story line, and what zone gives us opportunity for. A great deal for the consumer as well, having a 995 price point, you don't have to pay $60, $70 to watch our show uh, on you know, paper, traditional paper. You, you can watch it on a subscription base and watch AJ Box on the 22nd, watch our fight on the 29th, and watch boxing the following weekend, and then us this following week. So it's it's a great, if you're into combat sports, man, this is a great, great, great. Hard to argue show. with what's going on there. The, the cynical question will come back and say, well, Scott, and boxing's facing the same thing. You're taking your product off of regular TV, putting it on a subscription-only base. I mean, A, that's the future, but B, what are those conversations like to make this decision? Well, you know what? When uh, we talked to Paramount, we said, look, the amount of shows that we're going to do exclusively for zone complements what we're doing on Paramount, right? And and you can see they do everything first class. They have a great game plan. They have a great, you know, uh, basically a plan to execute over the next two or three years here in the USA. But they're already worldwide doing deals with all the, all the big sports, in you know in Asia in Germany and Switzerland they have deals with the NFL Major League Baseball WWE so so you're getting in early in a way you're getting in early because those deals I believe in a couple of years they're going to be bidding for those rights this will be a full blown sports network online not not a bad move then welterweight tourney let's start talking because there's that case to be made that you have the best welterweight core in all of MMA well, and that, that's that that's why you make a tournament like this. Yeah. How hard was it then to pick the names for? Because we don't see Paul Daly. I was really hoping for Ben Askren. How close was that possibly to have? Well, Ben, you know what? We would love to have Ben, but you know, he. Only, I think from what his coaches told me is that he was just looking for one more fight. And uh, I said, well, we don't want one more fight. We're looking for three more fights. And you know, so it didn't work out. Uh, Paul Daly, you know, it's like, look, we tried. It's we still have fights with Paul, but um, it, you know, I'm not. I don't think it's going to work out because at the end of the day. I think we made a couple of good, you know, uh, offers to bump up his pay and redo his contract, you know, and so it just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's always a tricky thing with the fight, some of the fighters. But look, if you look at our our tournament, having, oh, it's loaded. I wasn't meaning to disparage it. It's absolutely loaded. No, but you say where's Paul Daly, you know, and I agree because we would love to have him in there, but 
you know what? You can't say yes and then come back and say no and then try to change everything once you agree to it. So here we go. All right, what about the decision to keep Rory in the tournament? Some thought maybe he would face the winner of it. Tell me about that thinking. Rory wanted to stay in the tournament. He wants to go and fight Gegard and, you know, win or lose. He wants to drop back down and compete in this tournament for the whole year. And he wants to win this tournament. He wants to be the tournament champ and the welterweight champ. Hey, not bad. When I look at the potential draw and I pick out the match as a fan, I want to see the most. It might be Spartan Koreshkov against Douglas Lima, who's sitting right next to you. Is there any fight that when you match these up, you're like, that's the one? You know what? Um, that's going to be the killer fight right there. That might be the dark horse where whoever wins that fight might, you know, go all the way, you know? And, you know, you never know. Fighters get injured and tournaments are tricky sometimes. And but. Those two guys are killers, man. Don't blink because they are, you know, I mean, Douglas has had some bigger fights, but Koreshkov, man, I saw him in Rome over the weekend. He just devastated his opponent and he looked fantastic. One best spinning back kick, perfect. Folded the guy and I think, you know, he could be a lot of trouble for a lot of people. You've always had success with tournaments. The Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix. Daniel Cormier won that. He just made some big time MMA history. We got to give him that too. How good did it feel? for you to see DC me, knock out Miochi. Let me tell you, when I feel like my fighters, you know, fight in the UFC, I, I'm there like the dad with the clicker, you know? <laughs> All right, there's like 25 for strike force and two for the old UFC guys, and we're kicking their ass, right? That's what, you know, it's like, that's just how I feel. It's like, look, I'm proud of those guys. DC was a guy that I signed literally at a restaurant in San Jose. Bob Cook brings him in, says, I got the next guy, and I'm looking, I'm going, Bob, does, can he really fight? This, he doesn't look like a fighter. You know, he's probably like 50 pounds overweight that time, whatever. And he just he just looked out of shape. And I said, Bob, he said, no, it's Koger. Trust me, this guy is going to be able to bring it. So, uh, you know, he wasn't even the in the tournament. He wasn't even the first alternate. He was a second alternate. And eventually he worked his way in and won the whole thing. And then now he's just kicking ass, and I'm so proud of him. And you knew he could. You knew he could do this, right? I mean, you knew he could. I, when, when they're talking about, oh, he's such an underdog in this fight, I get, he's going to beat this guy. I'm telling you, it's, it's, he's just too well-rounded. Because at, at any time, he could take the guy down, right, if he's in trouble, you know. And, uh, and he's got power, man. Those, that, when the first time I shook his hand, it was like a vice grip, you know. And so this guy has freakish power, great wrestling, good chin. You know, I mean, he's got the whole package. So, look, I hope he keeps fighting. If he fights Brock, congratulations. That'll be a big payday for him. And he'll take it to Brock, I'm telling you right now. I think you're right on that. Hey, the next phase of your heavyweight tournament currently, we're going to see Mitrione and Bader. Yep. Connecticut, very good fight. When do you think we may see Fedor and Chael Sonnen? Because this fight, I mean, look, that's a real that's a real crossover fight. That's like, yeah. hey, wake up your friends who don't watch MMA more yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. type of fight. What are we looking at for yeah, that? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I believe we're having an announcement this Friday. Okay. So you have to wait till Friday. We're going to announce spoiler alert. location, everything, and... Uh, it's going to be on, man. It's going to be, it's going to happen right in the same proximity because I don't want one athlete to have too much of a break compared to the other one. Like they should all fight within a certain time frame, so they can all get ready. Whoever wins can get ready for the finals in January. I do, to close, I do a weekly podcast with my main man, King Mo Muhammad Lawal. Love the guy. Tough knockout loss, of course, that he took to Bader. Will we see him back again? I know you're a big fan. Oh, absolutely. No, King Mo will be back, man. The guy is always welcome. I've been chatting, chatting you know, texting with him, chatting with him a little bit, and uh, he's like. Put me in coach put me in coach i was like hold on just you know pump the brakes you know get a little he's rest. A money weight guy he'll say he'll fight anybody anytime you know, get, you know like you know when they get stopped a little bit i'm like okay just pump the brakes 
Roy's another guy, you know, Roy took, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, he won the fight against Lee, but, you know, two weeks later, he's texting me going, hey, man, I'm ready to go. And, and I go, you're not hurt, you're not injured? He's like, no, I, I just stopped, I just stopped limping like a day ago, you know? I go, oh, you just stopped limping and you want to fight in a month? No, it's, sometimes we have to stop them from, you know, to help themselves yeah. pretty much. Hey, big news today, Scott Coker. Congratulations, really looking forward to where you're going to take this. Thank you, it's going to be fun. Standing with one of the best welterweight fighters in all of MMA, Douglas Lima, Bellator, the welterweight tournament we're going to get here on DAZN, big kickoff. This has got to be big news for you. You want to get that title back. There's a deep pool of names in here. Tell me about how this came together. Um, I just heard they were doing the welterweight tournament. You know, uh, I was expecting to get a rematch right away since the fight was very close, you know, against Rory. But uh, and then they told me they're doing this, so it's fine. It's good. You know, like you said, it's a lot of talent. Uh, it's going to be big, you know, first time here in the zone. Man, that's going to be fun. And I uh, can't wait. Can't wait. You can make the case, and this is why this tournament's so good, that Bellator has the best group of welterweights in the entire world. Is that a straight fact for you guys? When you look across the street at the other organizations, is this the cream of the crop at 170? For sure. For sure. We've got the toughest welterweights in the planet here, like Scott said before. And uh, interesting to see that Rory's in it as well. You know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with the title, if he's going to vacate or how that's going to work out. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be a good one. You know, a lot of good guys, and uh, it's going to be the best tournament Bellator's ever done. You mentioned Rory McDonald, the current welterweight champion. You lost the title to him, but that was a five-round classic, if you will. You came out of there losing, but you came out of there almost as the fresher fighter. Do you feel you broke his spirit at all despite not getting the victory? Um, a little, but Warren is just such, such a tough guy, man, he's got a lot of heart, you know, he was badly, badly hurt, you know, still came back and won the last round, <laughs> the one that counted, you know, so I got to give him respect, you know what I mean, the guy is tough, but uh, can't wait to fight him again, you know, so hopefully it'll happen in this tournament, you know, and uh, maybe in the finals, that would be great, you know, that's the goal. But uh, the goal is to get the bell back, you know. Did you think coming into that fight that he might be fragile from the wars he had been in in UFC, that you had an opening there maybe to break him? You got to give him credit, like you said, for being tough. But did you think you could have cracked him? Uh, yeah, I think I could have cracked him at any time, you know. But uh, I didn't look at it that way. I just, you know, I went in there thinking, you know, he's in the best shape of his life, you know what I mean? Because you can't take anybody, you know, uh, not serious, you know, and I... He would never do that against a guy like Rory. You know, he's always there. He always fights. And uh, yeah, man, I just lost to myself in that fight. That's that's my take on it. You know. Well, you are in a, a loaded field now. I'm sure you want another chance at Rory, but you got to get through Andre Koreshkov, a guy you have a lot of history with. This will be a trilogy. Tell us the date of this fight, and tell us how this third one could be different from the first two. Yeah, we're fighting. You know, September 29th. Got about 11 weeks. You know, like you say, trilogy. You know, got to uneven the score here. And uh, honestly, I think he's the toughest guy in this tournament. You know, he's one of the toughest guys I've ever fought. You know, he's big, he's strong. He mixes everything up pretty good, you know, with the wrestling and striking. And, uh, you know, just got to put him out again. You know what I mean? The first time that I fought him, I was really bad, injury. Injury, you know, my knee was messed up. But whatever, there's no excuse. There's one in one, you know what I mean? I got him back the second time, planning to do this again the third time. You know, you were an under-radar guy. You were a guy that hardcore fans knew about. Maybe mainstream fans didn't. I think in the last year, two years, you've really made your case in there. Was there something that changed for you, or was it just to get that finally get the spotlight on you? 
Uh, yeah, I finally get the spotlight because, man, ever since I came to Bellator, it was all knockouts, man. I was one of the most exciting guys here in Bellator. I always have been. And uh, it just, I don't know, never got the attention, you know what I mean? It's getting better right now. I know Scott is doing an amazing thing, promoting me a little more too, you know. Uh, I just got to get the name out there, man. Just got to take this tournament by storm, you know. I want to finish all of these guys, you know, and get the name out there even more. Well, a lot of big names in this tournament. A couple big ones that didn't come in that we thought maybe Paul Daly, one of them. For me, I was hoping for Ben Askren. Was there anybody that fell in that category for you that isn't in this tournament that you wanted? Yeah, Daly would be the one. I thought he was going to fight, you know, MVP because, you know, they've been talking about that fight a lot and I'm surprised he's not in it. You know, I don't know what happened. Uh, well, yeah, the list sounds pretty good, you know. Got some prospect, you know, got some veterans. Uh, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. All right, Douglas Seema, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck. I mean, I'm expecting fireworks against Spartan Quarters Cup. That guy doesn't fool around, so best oh, of luck God. to you. Thank you so much. Sitting with one of the most exciting fighters in all of MMA, not just the welterweight division, MVP Michael Venom Page. You're going to be part of this Bellator MMA Wellator, welterweight <laughs> World Grand Prix. We don't know against who yet, but this is a star-studded field, and fans are already popping on social media to see that you're a part of it. Tell me about your decision to enter. Man, I, I knew straight away there's no way they can have a tournament this big and me not be a part of it, man. Everyone's going to want to see me on there, so I'm excited, man. Can't wait. When you look at this field, some say this is a better group of welterweights than you even see in the UFC. When you look at it up and down, tell me about who you want. To be fair, I just want to be at the, the, you know, standing at the top of that mountain by the end of it. I don't care who I have to go through. It's, it's a competition. It means you have to be everybody. You have to be able to be everybody. I know I can. I know my style. I know I can entertain people while I'm doing it as well. And uh, I just want to be at the top of that hill. Well, you mentioned entertainment. It's become your calling card, but obviously you can fight behind that. And part of it is that you're an entertaining fighter. You do things that other people wouldn't try because maybe they don't have the athleticism. Some of your critics, though, say, well, when he steps up in competition, you won't see that flash. Will we still see the crazy strikes? I don't know how else to be. You know, if I'm going to if I'm gonna do this style and I have to crash and burn doing this style, then that's what I'm going to do. Like, there's no change in me. There's, if I try to fight any other way, I'll probably get hit more. I wouldn't be as entertaining. You, nobody would even know who I am. Um, I, it just wouldn't be as effective. I, I, I know how effective I can be, and it's with this style. My podcast partner on CBS Sports is King Mo Lawal of, of oh. Bellator fame. Whenever he talks about you, he says he's got the reach of a friggin' heavyweight. <laughs> Has there ever been a fighter exactly like you yet in MMA? No, I don't, I don't believe so. I think the, the, the closest person you can call to me in terms of likeness is probably Wonderboy Thompson. In terms of the style, we both come from a similar, similar background. 100% Raymond Daniels, but he's not in um, mixed martial arts. He's in the kickboxing side. But we all come from the same background, the same place. But no one has that extra, that, just the extra showmanship, the extra spark, athleticism as I do. Uh, I truly believe that. And especially in the mixed martial arts world, it's, just, it's unseen. And I'm just going to keep showing them, showing them more. You've not, you've not been afraid to talk trash, to do. You put out a, a Ronda Rousey dance meme after she got KO'd by Amanda Newton. Did you ever get some pushback from that? Of course, man. She's got some cut wrist plans, man. So um, they did. I was, I, was, I was playing, man. You have to have a laugh and a joke. And I'm sure if it was to ever happen to me, I'm going to get it anyway. The, the online is a very ruthless place. So um, it is what it is. Like I like to have fun. I like to have a laugh and a joke. 
and I don't really care. <laughs> I got to bring up your last fight with Caveman Rickles because I, it was like watching a video game. Where, uh, do, you, do you get in a flow where you just feel like you can create things that no one's ever done before, that nothing can stop you? I think once I'm in a certain zone and once I have, you know, figured out your timing as, a, as an opponent and figured out, I, I, I kind of get to that point where I know I'm not going to lose this fight. Regardless of what I do now, I'm not going to lose this fight. And once I'm in that zone, I'm the most dangerous I can be because that means anything can happen. Anything, I can throw absolutely anything. And I've got so much stuff in my locker, which even in that fight, people didn't get to see. But I feel like they did see the, see the control. And Rickles is no, he's no pushover. He's a guy that is known for, he's, no, he's, he's nicknamed Caveman. He's known for being a tough fighter. So for him to actually, you know, wave the white flag and say, you know what, I, I, I don't want any more of this, it shows, you know, my level. Well, the comparison that became obvious there was Anderson Silva against Forrest Griffin, where he kind of almost did a no moss on the way out. Anderson does did some of the antics that you do late in his career. It ended up costing him against Weidman. I know it's yeah. a different situation. He was an older fighter. Do you yeah. ever have the fear, though, that you'll get caught doing something like that? No, no, not really. I think it's, uh, you know, you know with, with Anderson Silva, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I do believe he's kind of come to that place where he just didn't care anymore. He just he's fighting for fighting's sake. He's fighting. So the showman, uh, the showmanship side of him took over more than actually still wanting to win. So I think that's where he got caught out. Not because he's not capable of still doing what he does. I think his passion was uh, you know a lot less than it was when he first came in. Um, and I think that's where it, 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 it takes a, it, it will take a, take its toll. And I think if I ever feel like I'm in that situation, I'll just stop fighting completely. Speaking of welterweight, there's a couple names not in this tournament, right? Paul Daly, I was thinking maybe Ben Askren would be great. Some people even thought, could Dylan Danis make the leap? That guy's calling out everybody. Would you ever want to fight him? He's not worth even a mention. All right, all right. How come? <laughs> he's just not. Like, he's only just got in here. He's just making a lot of noise. And I understand this nowadays that, you know, the social media side of things is massively important. I use it myself. Um, but he's got a lot to prove, man. A lot to prove. And even after that first fight, yes, the leg lock was great, but what he was doing before that wasn't. So um, he's, he's got a lot to learn. All right, I want to close to talk about boxing. You signed a deal with the Zone, meaning Bellator MMA, but the Zone has boxing plans as well. You've had two pro fights. You look spectacular. What are your plans? And could that include the Zone? A hundred percent. I would love to. I think it makes more sense now that you know they've they're all connected. It's all under the same roof. Um, it's going to make a hell of a lot more sense if I'm able to, to, to do the boxing and do the, the MMA at the same time. And, and it's something I do want to con uh, you know, continue doing. So for me, it's a no-brainer. So if, if, if all goes to plan, definitely you're going to see me doing some boxing as well. But for the moment, the focus is the tournament. All right, real quick to close. Roy McDonald's in there. It's a big name. We didn't get Paul Daly, though. Are we going to see you eventually fight Paul Daly? Do you want to fight Rory Moore? Where are you at when you look at that field? No, I, I would, I, I've been calling this fight for the last two years four times, and it's, it, it's, it's the other side that keeps closing it off. So, you know what? If it happens, it's because he's, he's opened the door. And if, if, the, if, it's, if the time is right, because if he waits too long and he's no longer relevant, then there's no need for me to fight you anymore. MVP Michael Venom Page, one of the better quotes in all of sports, not combat sports. Good luck to you. Great talking to you. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. And now we welcome back in the king, Muhammad Lawal, the lineal Bellator money weight champion. That's what I like to call you. We just played some sound, King Mo, from some of your Bellator brethren, including Scott Coger. And you heard I said, when's King Mo coming back? We need this guy back in the cage. He said, don't worry. We got big plans for Kingmo. Don't worry. A lot of a lot of big stuff happening in Bellator, Kingmo. Great to hear that you're still part of it, you know? 
Yeah, great to hear that. And let, let them know if there's a middleweight Grand Prix, I will cut down. Wow. Middleweight Grand Prix. Wow. The middleweight Grand Prix, I'm cutting down. Wow. Straight Imagine, up. Man, I, I, I'm starting to book that in my head right now. I'm starting to get the names ready. Yeah, I'll fight them all. I, I don't, you know, with me, it doesn't matter. 185, 205 heavyweight. Right there, as long man. as that check it. clears, King Mo's ready to throw down. By the way, King Mo, we talked on this podcast before about bare knuckle boxing, and that league opened up. Then there was that right. pay per view. There's now a second bare knuckle boxing league with Phil Baroni. What the heck's going on here? People are jumping at this thing. Bare knuckle box. It's like this, right? People like MMA, but you notice when the fight went to the ground, people start complaining. I seen Australia. Australia has an MMA organization. I seen Ty Tiavasu fought Peter Graham where it's all stand up, all stand up, and on the ground is ground to pound. And they fight in a cage. But now, with bare knuckle boxing, it's all stand up, pure hands, blood and guts, cuts, blood everywhere. People throwing down. That's what they want to see. And that's what drunk crowds love to see. <laughs> it's like tough man. It's like tough man. People, drunk remember crowd. tough man on FX? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I used to watch. Look, that's when I first saw who Phil Baroni was. He got arrested after he lost that fight in the back. I used to watch Tough Man left and right. I used to love Tough Man. But yeah. now it's pretty much extinct. Now they have, they're using bare-knuckle boxing. And bare-knuckle boxing was pretty much brought big by, you know, in South Florida by Kimbo Slice. But in Europe, the Gypsies, they're, they're the ones, they're the, they're the ones that, that, that run the show when it comes to bare-knuckle boxing. Tyson Fury comes from, from a boxing bloodline of bare-knuckle boxers. Oh, yeah. His, like was the king of the gypsies. His wife's dad, father-in-law, was the king of the gypsies at one point. So they could throw down. <laughs> they could throw down. Have you ever been witness to a uh, backyard uh, bare-knuckle boxing match for money? Like these, like these famous Kimbo. Like no one will ever forget the first time they went on YouTube and typed in Kimbo Slice, and it was the most raw, gritty, illegal. Like it was almost <laughs> like watching pornography or something. It was like this ridiculous thing. Like what is happening here? Have you ever seen one of these? Is this an underground thing that's all over? Well, it's an underground thing that's turning mainstream now. It's slowly becoming bigger and bigger. I might say it's mainstream yet, but I feel like it could become mainstream because it's a diff. Well, not mainstream. But it's like a niche sport that could possibly become mainstream. I feel like it's too bloody to be on TV, but people love seeing blood. People love seeing cuts. People love seeing knockouts. When you're throwing punches with your bare fist or wraps, just wraps, you're going to see one of those three things happen. All right, all right. Let me add that to the uh, famous King Moisms, the famous equation. When you see blood and cuts and wraps, you'll see a lot of people taking notice and enjoying yep. it just like damage plus a lack of gas still equals trying to find a way out in the King Mo math. I can get behind that all the way. King Mo, let's get into this big Bellator news. We already knew about the DAZN deal, which really feels like a game changer for Bellator and the fact that there's reports that they're now getting $33 million a year from this deal, putting on 15 shows a year. Seven of them, I think, is exclusive to DAZN. The other eight will be simulcast with Paramount Network. And the interesting thing here, and that's what I asked Coker, was, you know, we know Paramount Network and Viacom owns Bellator. So it was interesting for at least half of these cards that they're going to pull them off TV, put it on DAZN. But, hey, King Mo, money talks. And if DAZN's throwing out a lot of money and people like Eddie Hearn, people like Coker are taking it, this feels like a big move forward for the company to line the pockets, be able to sign more big names. And when you talk about the first DAZN card, September 29th, we already know we're getting Roy McDonald and Gegard Mousasi. Now we're getting the official kickoff to this welterweight Grand Prix. Ten names. 
And you got to say it, King Mo. It, it's all killer, no filler. This is a damn good tournament on paper. Yeah, great tournament. But let's go back to um, the zone side, the zone deal. I feel like it was a perfect deal for both for Bellator, Viacom, and the zone. Because think about this: the zone is pretty much European based. They need the Amer- they need American people. They need American fighters, American boxers, American content. One thing about Bellator is Bellator is big in Brazil. And it's pretty big in Europe. So that's so and we have a lot of Americans, a lot of, it's like a lot of international talent in Bellator. So I think that would help both organizations as well as far as the um as far as the notoriety. Yeah. Be- I thought, yeah Bellator are going to Europe a lot lately, which leads you to believe that like it used to just be they go to Thackerville, Oklahoma for these yep. in between shows. Now it's Rome. I mean, when's King Mo gonna get on a show where you can get this free European trip with it? Oh well, you know, I'm cool. Look, like, I don't care where I fight it. Just have my check ready. <laughs> you know? But, you know, the thing is, like, I like the fact that Bellator is making these moves because it's expanding their brand. It's, it's letting people see. It's putting new eyes on the Bellator product. And with the zone, you know, I know, I know, you know, in, in England, Bellator's big. Man, the zone, I, with Anthony Joshua, could you imagine Anthony Joshua shows up to a Bellator event? Well, that's what I talked about, and we just heard the sound with MVP. I'm saying, okay, MVP, you've had two pro boxing fights. Now you're with DAZN. They're doing boxing with Eddie Hearn. Do you? Will we see you do both? Will we see you on DAZN in the cage and then see you on DAZN with Matchroom Sport? And he said, basically, hell yeah. And I saw him and Eddie Hearn having a little powwow behind the scenes too. So the potential for crossover there, like the original Spike TV crossover when we saw Rampage Jackson on Bellator and then Rampage Jackson on TNA Impact Wrestling, and then King Mo doing the same thing. Like maybe we got something here. Yeah, just just the thing. But my my issue with um, the zone is they're signing a bunch of killers, and I hope MVP's my dog. He can fight, but I hope they actually move him slow because like they signed Boo Boo, and that's like no one wants to fight Boo Boo. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, they they got Big Baby. They have like they have they're signing. They're going after the Charlo twins. Look, look, Eddie Hearn said he's going after everybody. And you know um, he signed. He signed. Uh, what's his What's his name? Um, Jane Jacobs. Yep. Uh, Jacobs. He has. He has Serena. Ser, um, Cindy Serrano versus Katie Taylor. Big fight amongst the women. He's doing it. And the thing is, he's doing it because Al Heyman's out the game now. PBC is pretty much done. They have a few more events. They're done. Since Al Heyman left that void, and then you had the Civil War with Bob Arum, Al Heyman, and the Golden Boy happened, and everybody started splitting and. It left the vacuum, left a big a big hole open for Eddie Hearn to step in and be like, "Hey, staking my claim." Bam, I'm taking these fighters. He's making Bam. big news. He's gonna have to get the fighters though, and I think the key block that you mentioned are those PBC fighters in boxing, the guys who fight on Showtime. If he can get them one by one to come to the, the only one he got so far was Jesse Vargas. But if we're being honest, he's more of a B side guy. But he got Joshua Anthony Joshua, the unified heavyweight champion to not fight Deontay Wilder next, who's a Showtime guy, but instead to give everybody the finger and fight Alexander Povetkin. And now we're starting to go, oh, did he do that? Because he can put it on zone. And, you know, I, I got a boxing podcast coming out with an interview with Joshua. I said, you know, this is interesting. Showtime's been loyal to you. You're not showing the loyalty back. You're going to zone for the big bucks. He says, business, not about loyalty. It's about making, about making the right, right moves. And you really can't complain. You can't, you can't, you can't counteract that. It's, a, it's the truth, man. That's the truth. Now I want to see what 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 Eddie Hearn can get done with Joshua because now will he go after the Tyson Fury fight, 
or will he go after the Deontay Wilder fight? Personally, I think the Tyson Fury fight is probably bigger. If Tyson Fury can look better over the next few fights, I think it'll be bigger in Europe. But then I agree with that. But I, then in America, the Deontay Wilder fight will be big. But I think I feel like the Tyson Fury fight will be so big in Europe. Well, that, I asked her that. I'm like, it feels to me. Tell me if I'm wrong, Eddie. That I feel like, can you make more money with Joshua against almost anybody? Like, can Joshua Povetkin and Joshua Fury individually make more money than Joshua Wilder? And he's like, no, no, that's not true. Wilder's the biggest, this is the biggest fight in all the sport. But then one minute later, he's like, hey, by the way, nobody knows who Wilder is. A heavyweight champion should never walk down the street, and no one knows who he is. So I'm starting to think, yeah, they, they know they can make more, and that's, that's the main reason. But whatever. Hey, let's shift this back to Belcher for a second. The foundation of why we care about this welterweight Grand Prix so much is this idea that the best welterweights in all of MMA may actually reside in Bellator. Now, I asked Doug Lima that. I asked Coker that. I asked MVP. Of course, they say yes. I'm going to ask you. Now, you are a Bellator guy, but you also keep it real. If you look at the UFC welterweight rankings right now, here's who we have. Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Darren Till, Dos Anjos, Wonderboy, Robbie Lawler, Kamaru Usman, Damian Maya, et cetera, et cetera. It goes downhill from there. Is this Bellator tournament, which the signed-on names are Rory McDonald, Paul Daly, Douglas Lima, Spartan Koreshkov, the former champion, Michael Venom Page, Neiman Gracie, Ed Ruth, Yaroslav Amosov, Lorenz Larkin, and John Fitch. Is this true, King Mo, that this is a division that Bellator says, hey, we're winning. We, we got the better fighters. I believe so. Even Joe Rogan said it. And Joe Rogan works for the UFC. Now let's think. About, let's look, let's look at the numbers. Let's look. The champion, right, in uh, in the UFC, Roy McDonald handled him. Fair point. Um, let's look at like if we go down, like Lorenz Larkin has big wins over people in that in, the, in that division. Let's be real. If Lorenz Larkin was still in the UFC, he'd probably be top four, top five. Let's be real. He left on the win, and they say they didn't resign him. MVP. Is a to me is a better version of Wonder Boy. If you look at the styles, Wonder Boy was doing his thing regionally in America. MVP was doing his thing. If you look, if you go to Wikipedia, look his record up, or if you go to YouTube and, look, and Google him up and YouTube him, you'll see um, fights between him and Raymond Daniels in the finals of, of all these tournaments. Raymond Daniels was the man that way in that style of fighting. Number two is MVP. So that's yep. funny you say that because when I asked MVP earlier in the show, is there any other fighter quite like you? I thought he might say John Jones with the long arms. He said, no, Stephen Thompson's the only guy close, but I think I'm this, this, and this compared to him. That, that, yeah, you're, I think you're right on. Yeah, and I think, okay, so let me, let me, if there's any fighter that's like him similar, I would say he's, a, he's like a, a different version of Israel Adesanya mixed with Anderson Silva. Only thing he doesn't do is he doesn't have a clinch game. Muay Thai clinch game, but he has the long range game, the, the the explosive striking, the flashy striking, and let's be honest, in my opinion, he's a little more flashier and a little more um, carefree and reckless in a sense than Israel. He takes more risks doing going for bigger moves than Israel and Anderson Silva more than anybody. There's no one else that goes for big moves like him, you know, in in the sport. Not not I can't I can't think of anybody else that well they, there are people but not as successful as him because his his success rate with these big moves. Pretty high. Undefeated still. When this tournament was announced and when I was there last week at the DAZN news conference, Paul Daly was not a part of it. Since then, of course, like I mentioned earlier, 
He's now been added to this tournament. He's going to fight MVP in the first round, it's looking like. That's a, that's a big fight. They, I like that they're coming out with big matchups. So Roy McDonald's fighting Gegard, not part of the tournament, of course, for the middleweight championship. September 29th, San Jose, the first exclusive DAZN card. The co-main that night is the first bout of this tournament. By the way, it's former champions Douglas Lima versus Andre Koreshkov, part three. That's a hell of a first round match. And then now we could get Paul Daly MVP in the first round. I almost feel like this is too good. Like we should bracket it a little better so these guys will meet in like the semifinals or something. This is crazy. Well, you know what? They have to deal with the zone and they're trying to do big things. So why not have explosive fights in the first round? Because the winner of those fights, the next round is going to be even more explosive. The next, the second round will be far more explosive than the first round for, for me. The winners, if you could win, the first round winners are, are legit proven. These matchups are crazy. Koreshkov versus Lima, three? Man, I don't know what I'm going to do about that one. That's going to be a good yeah. fight. I mean, I, I'm still surprised Lima knocked him out in that rematch. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big Koreshkov guy. I thought, you know... He, he showed you, like, in his early loss to Askren for the title that he had some holes. I didn't think the holes were his chin. Not that he has a bad chin, but I'm, he, got, he got cleaned in that fight. He, he, he met the cleaner, Kenny Omega, in that fight. The cleaner, yeah, with the, the winged angel. But check this out. <laughs> Repeat this, though. Let's be real. Lima's my dog, but he wasn't really doing that good in that fight. He was kind of getting controlled. It's just that Lima found the right opportunity, the right opening, took advantage of it, and slept him. And, and sometimes, like, look, and, and – in this weight class, with these fighters outside of Fitch and outside of Neiman, Neiman Gracie, you're dealing with guys that can knock you out. You know what I'm saying? Even, even, even um, you got your boy, um, the, young, the young buck, Ed Ruth. He has knockout wins. He's putting hands on people. He's long, great wrestler, very flexible, very athletic. He might be the dark horse because there's no, I don't see anybody in, that, in, that, in, in the tournament that can out-wrestle him. Not one person. They, could, they might be able to out-MMA him, like Roy McDonald and them, but if you want to go out there and just make it a wrestling match, he can make these fights so ugly. Is he but, the Ryan Bader of this tournament? Where Bader, we wouldn't have picked him to win the heavyweight side, but he's, he's suddenly we're like, well, what if he out-wrestles Mitrione? He's in the finals. Is this where Ed Ruth kind of has that angle? Well, it's, it, well, well not, not really, because the thing is, Bader actually has other tools. Ed Ruth is so green. Ed Ruth is, is kind of like me. I, I was, when I fought Musasi, I was a year and a half for maybe two years in my career. Ed Ruth is going on the same path, except he got, got, had a chance to get built. I believe he never did. So they're doing the right thing with him. I think he has enough cage time, enough experience now to actually make these vets worry about facing him. Think about it. Like, what, what, you know, if he takes you down, what are you going to do? What, if he takes down, down John Fitch, what will John Fitch do to him? This is, this is going to be fun. Uh, Roy McDonald, interesting here. We thought... So Roy's going to face Gegard. He could become a two-division champion in Bellator. So we assumed when we heard the rumors of this tournament that Rory's just going to fight the winner of the tournament. No, Coker said, Rory said, no, I got to be in this. I got to win this. I don't even care about the belt. I got to win this tournament. I got respect for that. Is he the favorite then? Man. Man, I honestly don't know because <clears throat> he might be the favorite off of, on paper, but we can't forget what Wonder Boy did to him. And, I, and look, Rory's a beast. I like Rory. But then you got MVP, who's a longer, taller, more powerful, more explosive, faster version of Wonder Boy. Imagine that as the final. 
Like <laughs> every time they do a tournament like this, somebody becomes that somebody has their breakout point. Remember the Showtime Super Six boxing tournament, right? Nobody's talking about Andre Ward. He sweeps through and we're like, Andre Ward's a star. You know, the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix with Cormier. He's a he's a double late replacement and he just runs through there and you're like, I never saw this coming. It's not that we don't know MVP has potential, but are we sleeping maybe on the fact that this is set up for him to run the table and show you that he is that dude? I have no idea because then you got Lewis Larkin. Tough out, yeah. quick. He can hit. Or just Lima in general. I mean, Lima's a bad dude. Yeah, Lima's a bad dude, but, but don't forget, though, but Lewis Larkin actually has good takedowns. I've seen him take down guys like Robbie Lawler. He's taking down Masvidal. He's taking down guys that have good, that proven defense. So let's say we have Lewis Larkin versus MVP. Lewis Larkin has two options. I can stand, make a miss, trade with him, or I can just go out there and take him down and control him. And don't forget, Lorenz Larkin used to fight at heavyweight, fight 205, fight 185. Wait, Lorenz Larkin fought at heavyweight? Yeah, How do I not know yeah. this? Uh, well, he beat um, Walt Harris in the amateurs. Walt Harris told me. They fight Kentucky, and Walt Harris lost to Lorenz Larkin in the amateurs at heavyweight. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He fought, he fought for a light heavyweight championship in a smaller promotion. This is very interesting. All right. Hey, so, this is a great tournament. I'm fired up at the potential matchups. I mean, I, I'm starting to look at the list. I'm like, who are we sleeping on? I mean, I don't. I, I like naming Gracie's BJJ game. I don't see him as a sleeper for this tournament, but what if he starts tapping people, right? I mean, it's it's interesting. Well, the thing is, like, you don't see him as a sleeper for the tournament, but the thing is, like, for a guy like Ed Ruth, you know, say, say, let's say Neiman like, can, can, can nullify Ed Ruth's um, stand-up and Ed Ruth has to take him down, what's Ed going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some things like if, if, if Neiman Gracie can nullify people's stand up and make it make it to where they really can't hit land on them and they're forced to take him down or he shoots and pulls guard, what will those guys do? Except get tied up and twisted like a pretzel and tapped. You have to look at your options. You have to see your – it depends on the game plans. For this tournament, game plans will be used. If there are no game plans, you will get stopped. Even MVP, as much as I like MVP. He goes out there and fights free, but if you notice, he's fighting more. He's using game plans now. Granted, we don't know that, but he knows it because he's a style. So we have to see what he's doing. So for this, what's his game plan going to be? Will he be more conservative, or will he be flashy as ever? What's he going to do? The the real in, there's so much intrigue here, and look, this won't get this tournament likely won't get the attention that the heavyweight one did, and that's rightfully so. You have crazy oh, I, established I, I, names, but. I care about this tournament more. And you know me. I love sloppy old guy fights. I love Chael Sonnen going up to heavyweight. I love Fat Rampage in the mix. But that tournament is a fun tournament. Like, yeah, the winner's the Bellator Heavyweight Championship. That's fine. But these welterweight guys, every single one's basically in their prime. There's no wa- – John Fitch is the only washed name in here. And even he with the lay and pray could trick you into a win. Well, Wash, well, he, he, if anything, he's wa- he washed um, your boy, Paul Daly. Last name fight. So true. the thing is, like, I wouldn't call him washed. He's experienced. He knows how to win. <sighs> like, what happened? Like, you know, how would MVP fight him? You know, because MVP is yet to face many grinders. It's, it's like, you know, you have a grind. You have, you have every style you can think of jiu jitsu, striker, grinder, you know, wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Bruiser. You know, so you have everything, and you have everything, every style in this tournament. That's the, honestly, in my opinion, this is the most complete tournament that has been put out in MMA for recently in modern MMA. We think about it. Even the grand, even the heavyweight grand prix of Belt and Strike Force was good. 
But you had guys like most guys are grapplers. Not many strikers. Arlovsky was the only striker in the group. You know what I'm saying? That's boy, Brett Rogers. That guy could. And Brett Rogers. Oh, and Brett Rogers. Yeah, but he was a puncher. He was most of it. He was a puncher. But those two. But then Brett Rogers was green. Now let's look at this tournament. The greenest person in this tournament was a former national champion, a former world team member, Ed Ruth. That's the greenest guy you're dealing with in this tournament. A guy with credentials. Now, in the Grand Prix, the Strikeforce Grand Prix, you had a guy, street fighter by the Brett Rogers, but we all knew that he wasn't going to beat Josh Barnett. He had no chance. But with Ed Ruth being green, we see his credentials, we see what his potential, we see what he could do in the cage and out of the cage. We can't sleep on him. What's his record? 8-0? 7-0? Yeah, yeah, 7-0. And we can't even sleep on him. He's that, been that stopping people, too. I know he's not facing stopping. murderous row, but Ruth's been stopping guys. Stopping them. Like, like you know, I understand, like, sometimes you'll see guys, wrestlers go out there and get a takedown, boom, boom. Ruth was, the last fight, he was boxing the guy up. Boxing him up. You know, good jab, head kicks. You should watch this guy on Instagram. I watched him walking his hands from his house down the stairs to his car. Damn. You know what I'm saying? I watched, like, go on his Instagram. He does some... Um, he does some amazing stuff. He's so athletic, so flexible. Cartwheel to head kick. Cartwheel, punches, head kick. He's so flexible and athletic. And he makes things look so easy. It looks like he's just out there. He's like Jordan Young almost. He's out there throwing punches, turning them over. And it looks like he reminds me of an a MMA version of Tim Duncan. He's doing everything right, not too flashy. And you're like, man, that looks good. But nothing really stood out besides the skills. I like that. I he like that. Hey, uh, close on Brett Rogers. Um, I was like that guy. He had a lot of heart. He could sell himself a little bit. He put it on Fedor. I know he got stopped in that fight, but that was the first time we were like, did Fedor just get old overnight? What is happening here? Rogers is lighting him up. That was a good fight. It was a good fight, but Rogers lighted him up because a lot of times it's hard to fight someone that's green and out of control. Brett Rogers had no jab. He's out there just, he was a big, strong guy throwing heat. And a lot of times when you're, when you're, fair, you're smaller, you have to be wary of that. But Brett Rogers is a big, strong, fast guy. You know, because don't forget, he slept Arlovsky in, like, what, one minute when they oh, fought? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was nasty. And, and you know, and he, he was riding a wave of confidence then. And then the confidence got smashed the second round with that right hand. I was cage side when that happened. And it sounded like a damn firecracker. So it, it sounded like someone got an M80 or, M, or M160 or whatever, taped it to Brett Rogers' face, Lit the fuse, step back, and watch it explode. That's what it sounded like, cage side, when Pharaoh landed that big right hand, and I was I was in shock. Like, like one thing I, one thing I can never forget in my MMA career is Fedor fights. When I watched the fight, Tim Sylvia, I watched him knock out Arlovsky, and I watched him knock out Brett Rogers. Even when I watched him lose, it was a big deal. When he lost to Vernon, a big event. Like watching him, watching him fight was something. It's like was kind of like watching Mayweather or, or Ali fight, in my in, in my opinion, because what he was doing back then was was great. I'll never forget the double knockdown with Mitrione. Like that'll be one of those yeah. one of those moments yeah, when true. people say you covered fight sports. What'd you see? I'd be like, well, I saw Fedor not almost double knockout a guy. Oh wow! Hey, uh, King Mo. Uh, now that we're off the rails for one second, um, there is a man who's still only thirty four years old. His nicknames are the Hardcore Kid and the Big Homie. Can we just make the King Mo Emmanuel Newton trilogy fight already? Maybe that's a good comeback fight for you. I know he's lost six of his last seven, and he's not in Bellator anymore. But I'll, I'll get Co- I'll text Coker. Can we just book <laughs> this? You get, we need we need to freshen you back up, and we need you to remove these losses from your record. 
Well, I don't, I don't, is he still fighting? I, I heard. I know he was in Russia. And Last October like, in Russia, he lost. He hasn't fought since. He got uh, yeah. KO one by by a knee against Nikita Krylov. Okay, that's a, that's a, Nikita. Nikita's tough, man. I'm, I'm surprised Bellator didn't try to sign him. That would be a good signing for Bellator. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I one day I'll book this. All right, maybe we'll do backyard fights. Uh, King oh, Roy, hey, back, hey, I'm cool. That's, backyard bare knuckle fights. All right, that's the oh, welterweight tournament. We're fired up for that. To close on that, though, I got one more point. I asked Coker. You heard it. Why no Ben Askren? He said we tried. He said we tried. He said Ben only wants one fight. I said Ben, I want you for a few fights. I want you in this tournament, King Mo. The tournament is awesome, but if it had Ben Askren, it would be that ultimate cherry on top. It would be that like. We not not only the argument that Bellator has better welterweights than UFC, but if you had an Askren, it's almost like you have the guy who still kind of has that argument that he might be the best welterweight in the world. Yes and no. Yes and no, because he hasn't been active. Like, yeah, he's been he's been fighting, and he might he might be the best, but he hasn't been active as of as of, as of lately. So, say he's up to the tournament, he looks bad. People will be like, oh well, you know, good thing UFC didn't sign him because look how he looked now. But he he ain't fought like what in two, a year and a half. True, but so, I would have put him in there against Koreshkov first round. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he dominated him the first time, dominated him. And I love Koreshkov, yeah. but he, he just laid but, on him and, and like yeah, slapped him in the face. Three, three or four years ago. I would just do that a rematch, and then if he looks good in that, then I mean, just imagine Askren, Rory, Askren, Daly, Askren, all these guys. I, I love that guy. Actually, Ed Ruth. I love his cockiness. I love his almost old-school one like he's got one skill, right? He's a dynamic wrestler. I love that he could just take that one skill, like a Damian Meyer or something, and just beat you with it. But most importantly, he's like withholding. He's like a, a tease. He's withholding the fact that we've never seen him exposed. So it's almost like because we haven't seen him exposed, we can't really put a ceiling on how good he actually is. So I'm itching so bad to find out how good he actually is. I'd love to see him against Rory. Uh, I, I I wish the fight would have happened like last year. Or when, or when he was still active. Only thing is, like, I, I would, I'd love to be in, have him see, see him in this tournament. But really, I wish that if he's going to be in a tournament, they should give him like a tune-up fight, a fight, to, a squash match, so he can get to knock the rust off or do something and come in the tournament. Because the thing is, the last thing you want to do is sign him when he ain't fighting a year and a half and put him against Koreshkov, who had been hot. Koreshkov had been hot up until you up until you lost that fight to uh, um, Lima. So the last thing you want to do is you want to put him against a guy he beat before. He'd be rusty. And end up losing to a guy that he could could beat if he was, you know, sharp. That's fair. That's fair. We're gonna have to get a washed welterweight then, just to just to uh, just to shine him up. Let no, Askren look no, good. no. Put him against someone like um, a tough guy, like Fernando Gonzalez. Somebody tough, or that's yeah, someone that, someone that's tough that he can go out there and just showcase his skills against. Oh, Fernando! Fernando's not an easy win. Brandon has to work for, it, but he he'd be able to knock off some rust or a Brennan Ward or somebody out somebody out there. He could just go out there and get a good, like you know, get a good. One to two rounds against. Maybe we'll against. call up my guy, who I used to love in his early UFC run, Caro Parisian. The ah. Heat. The Heat. I used to love that guy. I know his career went on bad terms. He had a bad run in Bellator there besides the knockout of Phil Baroni. But that guy, before people realized what, ju- what judo was, he had, he had some fun moments. Yeah, I think he might, him and Hiromitsu Mira were the, were the two best judo guys. Actually, and the stun gun. Because Hiromitsu Mira did some nice throws. Stun gun has some nice throws. And Caro Parisian. We're probably the best judo people, just judo men, men in combat sports, not including Ronda, because Ronda was out there throwing girls too. 
All right, Kingbo, the Bellator Heavyweight World Grand Prix has dates, has locations to continue. Friday night, October 12th, Matt Mitrione, Ryan Bader will be happening in, uh, I believe it's the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. And the next night at the refurbished Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, it's Chael Sonnen and Fedor Emelianenko. I, because I live in Connecticut and these two fights are both within two hours of me, I kind of like this Bellator weekend. I'm going to hit both stops up. This is kind of cool to get them night after each other so it keeps the buzz going. We're going to know that weekend who's facing off in the finals rather than waiting two months in between. This, this sounds like a big deal here. I'm fired up. I actually like this move because it, I think uh, – I like this move because it's something Bellator's really never done. They did it last week when they had the two cards – one in, one in Rome, one in Oklahoma. But now they're doing two big 10-pole events, back-to-back days. You know, I, I think there's more content. You have more fights. I think, you know, because they could easily have been lazy and be like, you know what, let's put it all together. But they're, take, they're, they're going out there and they're trying to prove that they're, they're, in, they're, they're, they're in the game to make a change and to show that, hey, we're not going to sit back and let the UFC just make the moves. We're trying to make moves too. That's what you're seeing in all these moves. You've seen the, the zone signing, you're seeing the Grand Prix, the back-to-back um, cards. You're going to see more stuff because Coker, Coker, he's a mastermind. Him, um, Mike Hogan, and Rich Chu always got something a-brewing. And you find out before I do. You know what I'm saying? I, I hear about it, but I don't, I don't, I'm like, whatever, because you know, it's rumors. But then you find out about it, and then you confirm it with me. Because the, the, the Grand Prix, I heard about it, and I heard whispers of it, but I was like, yeah, right. Nah. Then I was saying, like, Mo, we got to talk about this Grand Prix. And I'm like, oh, so it's really going to happen. Okay, cool. Who's in it? And I did my research. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about this because when Bellator is making moves, that means the UFC has to set their game up. And then check this out. If the UFC sets their game up, one thing I could – I'm going to go off the rails. But one thing I could say is when MMA makes big moves, it forces pro wrestling and boxing to make those moves too. It's all competition. So – I like this. I like what I'm seeing. All right. I don't want your actual breakdown and analysis because we're going to do that this fall. These fights are in October. But I want just a one-word answer. Gun to your head. Who's coming out of these two semifinals? What feeling are you getting right now? You, it may change. It may evolve over time. But if I asked you this second, who's winning this? Who's coming out of these matches? What are you feeling? I don't know yet, man, because so far away. And the thing is, like, Matt Mitchell can't sprawl, but what if he gets to the point where he can – Use his speed and use his length to keep Bader away What's, or some kicks. Bader can be caught. What if Matrion starts throwing some weird stuff at him? Yeah, exactly. Or, or what if what if Chael figures out a way to nullify Fedor's judo and Fedor's wildness? You know, just, anything can happen. Or what if Fedor gets injured, you know, going in the, when, when the fight gets cut? Like, you never know. Like, anything can happen in these fights. That fight's got really interesting. That Chael one, I know it's like a, a an old guy, big name fight, but if you actually think about the matchup, it's really interesting to see if and, and you know the if middleweight Chael can out wrestle this big slugger. Not just that, but he possibly can. The reason why I say he possibly can because the other, the other day, you know, I'm a, like a I like watching film. I went back and watched Fedor versus Matt Lindland, and Matt Lindland was getting in Fedor's ass. Went to go take him down. Fedor grabbed the ropes. When he took him down, they landed in a scramble. Fedor got the armbar. But Matt Lillen was all over Fedor. Go back and watch that fight. Matt Lillen could look. Matt Lillen is a guy I respect. Great fighter, tough as nails. He was been asking before Ben Askren was been asking. You know what I'm saying? 
Matt Lillen, <laughs> seriously, Matt Lillen was the dog stylistically and everything. Matt Lillen was a dog. He had more dog in him than, than Ben Ashman did. King but Boy, you had, um, you've had, you still having uh, 29 pro fights. How many off the top of your head were in a ring with ropes, like a boxing ring? Uh, uh, probably about six. Uh, no, actually, no. Probably, probably about ten of them. All Japan? Yeah, all in Japan. Oh, no, M1. Um, my first three in Japan. Uh, Crow Cop. The three in uh, I think I've had, yeah, I think I've had about eight or nine. So what's the, the fundamental difference? Because you mentioned, you know, Fedor was getting all wrestled. He grabs the ropes. What's the fundamental difference between the, the, the cage and the ring? Well, the thing about the cage is, well, two things. If you're a wrestler... The cage helps you better. But at the same time, if you're a wrestler, it's easier to trap somebody in the corner to take them down. Mm. Now, if you're a grappler, it's hard. Like, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a grappler, the, the ring is better, in my opinion, because you can, they can't use the cage to get to their feet. But then if you're a guy like Belvin Galar and a strong explosive, you use the cage to get to your feet. So it, 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 it's based upon your style. If you're a guy that's a grinder, the cage is a better, better position because you can push him against the cage and wear on them. But if you're if you're if you're fast, quick, explosive, and you have skills, and you can fight in the open, the ring's better. Well, let me tell you this, Randy Couture would have been handled, the guy's ass whooped in the ring. Wow, because, why? Why is that? Because how would he because the thing is that he would have never been able to 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 um to do the to the to keep against the cage you know solidly. You know what I'm saying? But if he got you down, he would be able to keep you on your back, but at the same time, in in the when it, when you see the ring you don't see elbows. So Randy Couture would have had changed his style as far as the elbows and the ground and pound because there's no elbows. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, the cage position, the wall position on, on the ropes is a lot different because with the ropes, the ropes have give. Like when I fight Crow Cop, when I take him down, he would backpedal into the ropes and you and bounce off the ropes and hip into me to back me off of him. So using the momentum, but if it was a cage, he, there's no give in the cage. So he would hit the cage and I would took him down. It's, it's just, it's, this is different. Like, and, Another thing is, in the cage, there are no true angles. Everyone says angles. There's always an escape route. So, look, if you want to, if you want to run from me, you can just keep on moving to the left or keep on moving to the right. Is there any difference in strategy in the eight-sided UFC octagon compared to the six-sided that everybody else has to use? Nah, because we train the octagon in the gym every day, and a cage is a cage. Because the thing is, it's a full circle, so there are no true angles. It's 360 degrees, so you can always just run in a circle and escape. There's, like, you know, I can go, like, you know, you go forward and back, left and right, you know what I'm saying, and you keep on going. But in the ring, you go forward and back, you're good. You go left and right, you're gonna hit a, you're gonna hit a, hit a post. You're gonna did hit you, a corner. Did you ever wrestle in that six-sided uh, wrestling uh, TNA Impact wrestling ring that that they came up with? Yeah, <laughs> that thing's got to screw people up, right? Yeah, because the thing is, it's hard to keep track of the hard camera when you're doing that. Not gonna lie, it's hard to keep track of the hard <laughs> camera. Hitting the ropes feels weird because the ropes are a little tighter. I, like it's fun because it's it's good it's good to see, but the ropes are a little tighter. But yeah, it's right, yeah, so I, I like it. Speaking of pro wrestling and MMA, Cain Velasquez made some big news in the in the last few days when he tweeted out a bunch of pictures of him at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, doing uh, a day full of workouts with there, and there wasn't any added like. We're, we're giving Kane a tryout, blah, blah, blah. Like, there was no, it was kind of cryptic information. WWE tweeted it out, Kane tweeted it out, but the whole gist of it was Kane Velasquez works out at the Performance Center. But if you look at the pictures Kane tweeted out, 
it's him with Norman Smiley and Otis Dojovich of uh, NXT's Heavy uh, Machinery and a couple other NXT guys working. And we've seen Kane tweet out pictures of himself and wrestling Lucha Masks in the past saying, I want Lesnar in WWE, I'll take his belt, that kind of stuff. This was interesting because with Brock just going in the octagon against DC and suddenly we're like, are we going to see a DC Brock UFC match followed by a DC Brock like SummerSlam or WrestleMania match. Like there was sort of this, you know, crossover. Kane suddenly slides in these DMs and you say to yourself, well, he's not good on the mic, but is he contemplating at age 35 with a body that's hard to keep healthy for MMA purposes? Is he complimenting or considering a crossover? It hadn't occurred to me till I saw those picks. Then I'm like, if you're Vince McMahon, Mo, Mexican-American guy, Heavyweight, heavyweight, legit two-time UFC champion with a fighting background, and you have guys in your organization, meaning Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, who you could make some interesting matchups against. We don't have any more information yet beyond what I just told you. What do you well, think I, about this idea? I, though? Yeah, I think it's good, but I, I think what's going to happen is, okay, you say he's 35 years old, injured. You're going to see him on a part-time schedule. Don't be surprised if you see that the UFC and the WWE work out a deal to where they let their athletes kind of do something on That's the side where of I was going to go. That's where I was going to go with that because if you do that, if you do that too much, then you're, people are going to look at UFC and think it's fixed, right? Because we already saw Brock come in and push DC and he's smiling and people are like, oh, this is fake. But are we going to see the first ever like home and home series where like Kane fights Brock in a WWE match, and then they fight each other in UFC. Like, are we actually going to see some kind of cross-promotion like that? Well, well, here's the thing, right? Here's what's here's funny to me, because when Bellator did the same thing with Impact, everyone's like, oh, that's bad. Don't mix it too. Oh, man. But now, let the UFC do it, WWE. You're not going to hear too much about it. It's just that people people are biased with the brand. I think it's good. I think the more you see you have fighters do other things outside of fighting, it's, it, 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 it widens the base. You know what I'm saying? Get you out there. I think that I hope Kane I hope Kane does it and I hope he can do it. And I hope he stays healthy. I hope he has a great schedule. They hope they work with him. And I hope he gets those wrestling matches. I hope the most of the squash matches like the Bill Goldberg matches, you know. What about I athleticism and gas tank? He sort of has the blueprint for this, right? Yeah, he has the blueprint, but the thing is like he has the athleticism and gas tank, but now it's just time to actually learn the rules in the ring. Like like when they did they did they did an okay job at Ronda, it's just that they had to put her with vets to, to maneuver her, but they can't just have Ronda go out there and wrestle anybody. She has to wrestle vets that can actually slow her down and talk to her and help like, guide her through the match. You know what I'm saying? And they can do the same thing with Kane, but at the same time, what they can do with Kane is give him squash matches. Versus, you know, Because now with the men, you have vets that are actually jobbers. With the women, you're, you're not, you don't really have – most of the women there are, are – a lot of them tend to, are, are new. You know, not new, but – they're new to the organization, they're like the ones they're trying to push now. They're not like you know they're known, but I don't know if Ronda, with her being so green, if they could actually help guide her through a match. Stephanie McMahon can, Kurt Angle, Triple H can, um, Nia Jax can, can Alexa Bliss maybe? Who knows? I, I you know, can a uh, uh, Mickey James? Yes, Mickey James can. She can work. Oh yeah. It's just it's, it depends on how they match them up and how they how they how creative uses them in their in their in their time in the WWE. Now, That's what I'm, I'm, I might be reading too far into this, but this is what we do. Is the timing of this interesting? And I say that because DC originally went to light heavyweight to avoid facing his great friend Kane, who was the heavyweight champion. Now DC's back at heavyweight, and for as much as we want to say, 
are DC and Kane ever going to fight? They're both like, heck no, we're like brothers. So with DC holding the heavyweight championship and now Kane suddenly showing up in a WWE ring, is there, we, can we connect those dots? Mm, he, I don't know. I think he's just wait. Because, you know, um, let's see what the WWE does with Brock. Because if the WWE takes Brock off TV, which it seems like they're doing, if they, don't, if they take him off TV for a little bit, then, you know, they might just do something with Kane. Until, and, and, and just, they might just have to do something with Kane in the WWE by himself. Who knows? But if I were WWE and UFC, I would try to do something with, like, Kane and Daniel. And I'd have a story. I'd have an angle where I have, like, where Kane's coaching Daniel on how to beat Brock because he did it before. Ooh, that's good booking. That's good booking, King Mo. And what about uh, if you're UFC? What do you do with Kane right now? Do you, I, if, I'm UFC, if I'm Dana White and, and Sean Shelby and all them, I go, we don't know how healthy Kane will ever be. Let's get him right back into a title shot. But you can't because DC's got the bell. And if DC's not uh, going to fight Lesnar until March, then who bro, do you give okay, him? Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? You just let Kane go do the WWE thing, but keep Kane under, under contract with the UFC. Because the thing is, it's like this, right? A vet... If Kane serious about wrestling, they'll put him against guys that they'll help him. And Kane can be like, look, my back hurts, my neck hurts. And they'll be like, okay, Kane, we'll work around that. What are you good at? What do you know? What spots do you want to hit? Let's, I have an idea. Let's do this. Let's do that. They can control him. They can, they can manage him and keep him from injuring himself further. But um, as far as fighting, fighting, you know, Kane might not be able to fight. You know what I'm saying? But with pro wrestling, they can find ways to maneuver. They can have him be like a, a Dean Malenko type. I wonder if well, this is telling us that Kane knows physically he can't fight anymore. Maybe this is well, what it's telling us. Or, or maybe Kane doesn't want to fight much longer because maybe he's like he's over it and he wants to do something new. It happens a lot of times. Kane's been after college. Kane started fighting. Kane's been fighting for over ten years, I think, like twelve years probably now. So, you know, do you want to keep on fighting for twelve years with these injuries, or do you want to try something new? If you're gonna get hurt, at least have fun getting hurt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, a, if you, that's a fair point. Yeah, at least at least make like a lot this, of money doing it. Yeah, but Kane could go out there and fight and 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 do good. Good, but someone will always be mad. Or but in pro wrestling, Kane go out there and 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 perform and get booed or cheered for. But guess what? He's over. All right. Uh, moving on here, Kane. Anderson Silva is 43 years old, and he just got cleared by USADA. Who, d- who deemed his most recent suspension a tainted supplement. It seems to be the same thing that happened to Junior Dos Santos and Josh Barnett, where it comes out that he failed this drug test. Everybody's like, oh, I knew Silva was a, was a cheat. He's been a cheat his whole life. And then they, you know, do the full investigation. They're like, oh, no, he's okay. <laughs> he can come back now. What, 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 like, I forgot what drug did he get popped. Was it like, a, um, uh, like a, one of them a beta blockers? I don't know. I forgot what was like, it. Was like a... He had a one-year suspension. It was a contaminated supplement. I'm trying to find the name of it. I don't have that present at the moment. But uh, the point of this is he's 43. He wants to keep fighting. And now he's saying, I want to make this GSP fight that we've been trying to make for a decade. And me, the old guy fight lover, is like, heck yeah, let's make this fight. You think that's something GSP would want? Because GSP says, I only want to do things that will further my legacy. Do you get anything for winning this if you're GSP? I don't know. Honestly, I think that boat, like the GSP Anderson Silva boat has sailed now because I think now we're a different generation of MMA. And, and, and I'm looking at it because like, I, 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 you know, I was one of the generation. I think the generation has changed. Now you got younger fighters like Connor, everything on Connor, Habib. The game has changed now. It, it's weird because Anderson Silva, like, when, you, when, when he talked, people listen. Now he talks to people like, 
yeah, let's hear. I want to hear what someone else has to say. It's it's weird. It's like what have you done for me lately? I think that fight would was could sell, but I don't know if it will. You know what I'm saying? It's, who knows? Because I, I don't know. I think it can. I just don't know if it will. Especially on pay per view. If it was like free on TV, yeah. I think, it'd sell. I think it would sell. I don't. Yeah, no, it'll sell. I mean, it won't well, sell. Obviously, what it would have three, four it, years ago. Yes, but. that's what I'm saying. Like things like it'll sell in a big car, but like a fight, like a car like this, a fight like this could have been by itself with a bunch of bums on the undercard. But now they have that fight in the car. They they stack it. They would have to stack a little bit with with title fights. But I think I think for example, it could main event MSG in November. I think it's that type of legend. Let's try to determine who's the best fighter ever, even though it's you know whatever whatever on that. But that's a that's a narrative they could do. I did look up Silva's situation. So of course he got popped before the October 2017 fight against Kelvin Gastelum in China. That never happened, and it was for King Mo methyl testosterone metabolites and hydrochlorothazide. I don't know what that is. I, I, I'm not, you know, I stopped doing drugs years ago. I don't really know what this stuff is, King Mo. If it was weed, I'd tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, hey, I'm glad to see that he's cleared. I still don't know what this means for, like, how much will hold this against well, him. I mean, anytime somebody you pops King Mo, you start to go, oh, he's been dirty his whole career, but... It's but, you'll never know. You'll never. But no, no. But, but you know what this means, though. This means John Jones is gonna be okay. It may. It might. It might. Not, it's ain't no. Might. Ain't no. It might. Ain't no. It might. Because Anderson, remember, he failed a drug tests um, before that, didn't he? Before the yes. Um, he failed. He saw. He failed like two drug tests, right? Yes. You know I'm saying, but I, I think both he, at the he, end he, of his career. But yes. Yeah. And on top of that, like, so uh, Judo, I've had three guys from my gym. Like those Brazilians get popped for and supplements, and they're all from Brazil. And one thing about Brazil is, like, if you're Brazilian using those supplements, you have to be careful because Brazil is all about like fitness stuff. So you see women in I've been in Brazil, you see people at the beach looking all ripped up. But I feel like maybe they put stuff in the supplements so they can get people to look good. Because Brazil is all about looking good. You go to the beach, you see everybody looking good. Everybody now. looks like Paulo Costa on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Paulo Costa, um, yeah, my boy Shoeface. Wants to get a piece of him. Oh. Told to call him out, yeah. And, and Shoeface is like, man, they're trying to push him. I'm the true king of Brazil with Jacare, not him. So I told him to call him out. And Derek Bronson's hurt. So Boracinha versus Shoeface is a great fight, in my opinion. I'd, I'd be down. I'd be down for in that. In Sao Paulo. Great fight in Sao Paulo. All right. Wow, wow. Uh, King Mo, to close on Anderson Silva on the idea of, like, okay, what do we do with him? If he's 43, he's still got a big name, he still wants to fight. You know that dude on Twitter – Front row, Brian. He's boys with Chael. Yeah, no front. Yeah. Uh, he tweets out some interesting things sometimes. He tweeted out something yes, uh, just recently that I – he goes, if I'm UFC and Endeavor and my responsibility is to make money now, I book Conor McGregor versus Anderson Silva. And he says, think about it for a second, and it's not so crazy. And to his point, when you first hear that, you go, oh, that's crazy. What are we talking about here? But let's think about that for a second. If you had Conor McGregor commit to – remember against Nate in the second fight? There was so much at stake for Conor reputation-wise that he's like, I'm going to walk through hell to get there. I'm going to just fight. I'm gonna, you know, like he's not – I'm just going to fight. If you have Conor just commit to it, that's an interesting matchup against 43-year-old Anderson Silva. You'd, you'd have to do it at like 180, right? Yeah, but Conor's too small. Why not have Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva? Two flashy strikers, both tall, lanky, athletic, good kickboxers. Israel Adesanya is more 
proven as a kickboxer and still is a legend in MMA. Well, the thing so about that is you wouldn't get the buys. The whole point of doing this is to make a creative fight that you're just going to – that's going to be like people are like, I got to see that. So bro, I think it's can... in line with something like Manny Pacquiao against old Oscar De La Hoya, right, where Manny was coming up in weight and we're like, Oscar's going to knock this dude out. But then you watch the fight and you're like, Manny's just too quick for him. Is there a bro, possibility bro. that – this is an actually actually I know it's just front row Brian on Twitter running his mouth, but is this an actually interesting possibility? Well, for me, no, nah, because here's the thing, right? You bring up the Delahoy Pacquiao fight. I knew Delahoy's gonna lose because in the hardcore circles, there's a catch weight and there's a hydration clause. That's why going to the ring, Delahoy weighed 151 going to the fight. He did an IV after the day of the the fight. That's what Fred Roach said. I knew he was in trouble when I saw the blood on his arms from the IV. So he was a walking he was a walking dead man. Now, if you look at Anderson Silva fighting at 180, after he makes weight, ain't no hydration clause. So after he makes weight, he's going to be 190, maybe 200 pounds. What can Conor do to that man? Conor will be Conor will be Conor struggled to make 170. He had to eat and blow up to make 170. Imagine him putting another 10 pounds. But with Israel Adesanya, we know that's going to be a striking a striking match between two flashy fighters. Two and it won't be like the Ngannou Derek Lewis fight because in Ghana, Derek Lewis, I feel like in Ghana, was green. Derek Lewis was injured, and they were both worried about each other's power. Well, with Anderson Silva and Adesanya, they're both flashy, both confident, both tall, lanky. Silva's a southpaw. Adesanya can switch stances. Both good clinch games. They both talk. They both can talk. I don't know. I just think that that's so like that's right. true. Uh, but the problem is this: when I see that fight, I go, "Oh, Adesanya's going to win." Even though it's it's a close fight on paper, and also it won't sell to the hardcores. I mean, to the to the casuals. Whereas well, something like this, like all these fans that have only watched two UFC fights their whole life and don't know and still think the sport is called UFC, they know Anderson Silva, and in their mind, he's probably still the champion for all they know. If they heard Conor McGregor's going to move up crazy amounts of weight to fight Anderson Silva, that's a two million buy pay per view right there, Kingbo. And you yeah, know this man. Maybe it's just that. Connor finessed the crowd already before with the Floyd Mayweather fight. That's true. I'm sorry. That's true. He finessed him before. So the thing is that I feel like Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva in Brazil or Australia would sell in those countries. Because it's not really, when you think about it, it's not really just about, like right now, it's about buying, getting paid reviews, but it's, it's about making money of other places. America, we know we're spoiled. We're going to do something. But Australia has a big market. That's why they're going there so much. And Brazil, they're going to Brazil for a reason because the government buys the event. So I, in Europe, they're going. Like, if you look at it, they're going to all these other places. They have a big fights in America, but they're trying to push all these other stars from other countries. And Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva, all you have to do is put their highlights. You want you you want to? Oh, it'd be so, a great fight. It'd be a great fight. Put their highlights out there, but it won't be as big as Connor. It won't have it won't have the buzz that Connor Silva has. But the problem with Connor Silva is that the size discrepancy, and then on top of that, Connor's fight versus Floyd. I'm sorry, look, people. Too, I didn't watch it. I saw the saw some of the highlights, but I knew it was gonna happen. Connor had Connor fooled Connor and Floyd fooled the masses to think that the fight was gonna be competitive. And that's what would happen. That's what would happen when if Connor were to face Anderson Silva, it would not be competitive at all. Now, instead of instead of having instead of having Anderson Silva fight instead of having Anderson Silva fight Connor, have Connor fight Nick Diaz. Damn right. That'd, that's that'd be fantastic. Fight. Damn right. Nate's Nate's fight though. That's a problem. Nate, Nate's waiting. No, 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 it don't matter. Right. It don't matter because the thing is, 
You know, have Nate fight someone that have Nate fight Colby Covington or somebody else, well, and be like, I feel like they can't get Nate in there unless they give him the Connor money. I think that I think he. I, I don't know who to believe. I tend to not believe Dana in these situations, but I feel like there has to be a reason why Nate hasn't fought since 2016. I feel like he's in a spot where he's like, I'm only doing this for the big time money, because he got a taste. I, he got a taste of that King Mo. If you get a taste of that, you're like, why am I wasting my time fighting for a hundred thousand when I could be fighting for three point eight million? Well, not just that though. Think about this, right? Remember. Because my, my, my boy, Mike Hogan, used to help Diaz with his management stuff. I remember years ago when Diaz was, was, was trying to get more money, what Dana White say? You're not a draw. You're not a draw. <laughs> Diaz proved he's a draw in the Conor McGregor fight. And now he's like, I'm a draw. Pay me what I'm worth. If I'm going to fight these bums or fight these, this guy, pay me what I'm worth because I'm a draw. So the thing is that maybe he's trying to do this to show something. Because you see, see the pay-per-view buys are starting to drop down. Oh, big time. And, and if say say Nate comes and fights a card and the, and the the card does good, he's proven. So maybe he's trying to hold out to get more money. If Coker was that. promoting UFC, know what he'd do? He'd make Diaz brother double headers in the state of California, and they'd be yeah. fantastic. The main and co-main, it'd be the Diaz brothers like flipping people off. It'd be great. Bro, let's be real. You, they, they could have a Stockton versus um, SBG card. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. They could do that easily, but you know what? They they won't because they they have their mind on other things. All right. We got to get our mind on Saturday's UFC on Fox Calgary card. And King Mo, the interesting thing here is that in some ways, when UFC signed that landmark deal in 2011 with Fox for over $100 million a year, bringing MMA to regular TV again, these, Fox, these quarterly Fox cards, not the fight nights on FS1, the quarterly Fox cards were like mini pay-per-views, right? It started November 2011 with Junior Dos Santos knocking out Cain Velasquez, and for a while... When those were coming up on the horizon as a fan, you're like, oh, yeah, free TV, great fights, starts at 8 p.m., done by 10 p.m. This is great. Uh, it's watered down like everything else in the UFC in recent years. I feel like this one, which is on paper the second to last one, there's still going to be one in December, which will be the final UFC on Fox card, and then ESPN takes over. I feel like Saturday's one in Calgary is almost a return to that feeling of old where you're like, I get three really good fights atop this marquee on free TV. Let's do this thing. Now, Dana White has been saying I owe it to Calgary, right, for that UFC 149 failure of Barrow Faber and a really crappy card when everybody got injured. But whatever the reason, this is a damn good card. It's not deep, but it's top-heavy. I'm fired up for it. When you look at this card, what is your reaction? Well, I have to see I know Joanna's fighting... Uh... It's, there's there's three fights we care about here. I'll tell you before you respond. Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, two in the main event. Jose Aldo, Jeremy Stevens, and Joanna versus Tisha Torres. Those those three those are three good fights. I think that um, like the girl Tisha had a model followed that model the whole time they're on Fox. I think maybe maybe I don't know maybe he's got lazy, but this fight right here, I think that this 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 card right here, I, I think it actually is amazing. Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens might. Be the might be the sleeper in this one. That's I mean, honestly, the rest of the card stinks. I'm going to be really honest. The rest of the card is is kind of hot trash. But I feel like at least in the last year and a half, once Dana White realized they weren't going back to Fox, he started just like watering down the crap out of these UFC on Fox cards. This one's for real. I care about these three fights a lot, King Mo. These are good ass fights, and I want to start. I really just want to break down three fights with you because it's a three-fight card in my idea. But I really want to start with that women's strawweight bout because you know that's my favorite division. But Joanna coming off two losses in title fights to Rose Namajunas where she went from maybe 
being in the on-deck circle of being the greatest female fighter in, in MMA history, like, I know that's a leap, right? Cyborg's still there, whatever, Rousey's legacy. But Joanna was climbing fast. They were trying to make her a superstar. And then she just catches two losses to Rose. And this is a tough rebound opponent in Tisha Torres. This could be a high pace, high action fight. Yeah, it could be. My thing is, I feel like Joanna, I watch her train, she's a beast. She needs to go to 125. Seriously. That's a tough but, cut. That's a tough cut for her, right? Yeah, and but another thing is, like, one thing I like about Joanna is she's always punching, she fights long, she kicks. Tisha Torres got to fight on the outside and wait for her opening to, to blitz her. And Joanna's always punching, so when will Tisha blitz her? If she blitz her, will, will she run into a punch? Will she get taken down? Or will Tisha take her down? Tisha's developed some skills. Tisha, Tisha got Tisha a lot trained. better in the past year. Yeah. A lot better. She trained in the American Top. She left with the, went to um, Colorado with her, with her girlfriend. Trains there, and she's actually improved there. You know what I'm saying? And her cardio's gotten better. Let's see what happens. Joanna has, has a chip on her shoulder. She has something to prove. Tisha does as well because Tisha is fighting someone that joined her gym. And then teach you into leaving that gym. So they're kind of quiet rivals in a sense. I think this is one of those fights that, like, on paper, right away, you're like, all right, this is Joanna's fight. She's too skilled. And for as much as I love Tisha, I, I really love her fighting style, her spirit. She's, even with her improvement, she's not really a finisher. But there's other elements that are interesting. Torres's improvement over the last year, certainly Joanna coming off of two losses. King Mo, when people in UFC have been on a hot run for a while, and then finally lose their belt. And specifically, when they go into a rematch with the person who took their belt, and then they lost again, whether it's MMA or boxing, there's actually a history here of that said fighter a lot of times falling apart. I'm going to give you an example. BJ Penn at 31, runs into Frankie Edgar, loses his title, then loses the rematch. Really never the same fighter after that, right? Jose Aldo this Saturday night has a chance to prove that theory too. Also 31, loses his title to Max Holloway, then loses in the rematch. I know he had the Conor McGregor knockout before. I know it's not the perfect comparison, but he's got the same questions to answer. But there's been a lot of history. When somebody gets you twice, you don't become, you don't become old or washed overnight, but some people, the, the, the invincibility, that, that alpha quality inside you that says, look, I've never been, I may have had a loss, but I've never been beaten, especially once I got to the title level. Is you want a suspect at all for this? Does that make Tisha a sleeper for that quality You've seen JJ a little bit. You get to know her mindset. Is this something we should fear? Not at all. I watched her train. Uh, she has an iron will. She, like, when I watch her train, she trains like she still has the belt. You know what I'm saying? So, well, like, she thinks she won that rematch. But, you know, you know it, the thing is, like, you know, she feels that way. Uh, people feel, some people, like, you know, I've heard a few people say that. Not many, but if she feels like that, then she needs to go ahead, handle business, and get set rematch. In my opinion, she should go to 125. Seriously. Well, she's got that rivalry from the past with Shevchenko. Valentina's going to face Nico Montano coming up soon for the belt at 125. We know that Valentina has defeated Joanna in, what, their kickboxing days in Poland? Yep, kickboxing, yep. Kickboxing. That's, a, that's a hell of a fight if she goes that direction. Maybe she will win or lose. I don't know. Or maybe she wants one more chance at Rose. I'm not sure, but... I like a lot of this fight on paper. I also like what this fight means for Tisha in this sense. 
she's got warning track power, and I use that that term not just to say that she's never really been a finisher, like 90% of her fights have gone the distance, but every time she feels like she's close to making the leap to the title level, she's had two separate three-fight win streaks in UFC. Both have ended with a loss, one to Rose Namajunas in their rematch in 2016, one in her last bout in February to Jessica Andrade, where she fought well, but she still comes up with a loss. Normally, you go back down in the rankings. She's getting an opportunity against Joanna here, if she can pull off the upset, to suddenly split, you know, spin right back up to the top where you say, she's already fought Rose, who's the champion twice. They've split those bouts. That, that's a, that's a built-in storyline here. I mean, let's not forget one thing about Tisha. In Invicta, she beat Paige Van Zandt, Rose Namajunas, Felix, Felice Herrig, and then comes to UFC in tough and beats Angela Magana. She's, she's, you know, she had a, an early run there, but I don't think she's ever really equaled that. Yeah, but the thing she had early run because those girls were green and she was green herself. Now what happened was she's grown and trying to figure out her style and so is everybody else. Rose, I was there. I called that fight with Rose versus, um, versus Tisha. The first fight and, in Invicta or the rematch? In- yeah, Invicta. I was there. And I personally thought that, that Invicta was crazy for having the two fight each other that early because I saw the star quality in both women. And it, it, it happened – I wish that it wouldn't have happened right then because I feel like Invicta could have used them and carried that fight and used it later, but, you know, it happened. Um, you know, Tisha, I like, I like what I've seen with Tisha, her confidence. And the fact, between me and you, Tisha didn't want to fight like, any of those girls at first. So years ago when I asked her what she wanted to do, she's like, I want to fight, like, I'm number five. She's like number five or six. She's like, I want to fight seven, eight, or nine. She didn't want to test herself versus the upper, upper echelon girls at ATT. But now that she's left the American Top Team, and she's with their girl in Colorado. She has a newfound sense of confidence, and she 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 feels invincible. She feels like she's ready. And for her to fight Jessica Andrade, if I were to ask her two years ago to fight if she was gonna fight Jessica Andrade, she'd be like, hell no. But for her to actually step up and take the fight, you know, in the last fight, shows that she's confident and she's ready for war. How would she win this? How would Tisha Torres beat Joanna in uh, outside of some freak ending? I mean, could she could she outstrike her, or would she have to bring this to the ground and just grind it? Just box her. Because one thing, one thing, Joanna, one thing, like um, I like Joanna. She can fight, but one thing is her rhythm is easy to easy to find. But if you give her a boxing, like a boxing look and creep up on her, it'll throw her off. That's what Rose did. Rose boxed her up the first time. And the thing is, Tisha has quick hands, surprisingly fast. She's like a she's like the female version of Cormier, short but quick. She gets in and out. If she can, if she can stay in and out and, and keep keep um, keep uh, uh, Joanna turning and, and keep her guessing, she can get that victory. Interesting. But she has to do that. She can't just sit there and try to like move and pit her. She has to faint, boom, 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 spin, roll, make her miss. She has to make her miss, make her pay, and then land her and, and try to try to dictate some type of mid mid range mid range fight. Long range, she can do, but it's going to be hard because Joanna fights one, two, one, two, one, T, head kick, body kick. But mid range, she can do that because she can blitz and be in and out. What makes this fun is Tisha so durable. Her only losses, I mentioned them, against elite foes, losing by decision. I thought she had the potential to get knocked out against Andrade. She, she showed you know, great durability there. But this is one of those statement opportunities for a striker like Joanna, where she's like, I got to come back and prove to people. So I'm going to pick Joanna to win. I'm going to pick her to win by stoppage. I think she comes back with a, oh, wait, okay, yeah, yeah, she still got it. Let's Hey, maybe we should get that Rose trilogy down the line. Like, maybe we should book that. 
This is a JJ win in my eyes. Do you have a prediction, King? I, I think I, I got Joanna by a decision. All right, interesting. I like that as well. The co-main featherweight Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. I had a chance to talk with the little heathen. Let's hear that now. Enjoy. Heathen in the house. How are you, man? Good, brother. How are you? Doing great. You gotta be. You gotta be a little extra fired up for this opportunity, right? I mean, this has got. This is. This feels like the biggest fight of your career. Tell me, I'm crazy. Uh, you know, it's just just business as usual. This is just another fight. You know, once you've been in one, you've been in all. You know, uh, there's there's just. Uh, I think it's just a little bit more hype around it because they know it's gonna be a fireworks type of fight, and uh, that that makes me excited. All right. Well, you almost had the biggest fight of your life accidentally, right? In Vegas, UFC 226, it almost came together with Brian Ortega. It was sitting there on the damn table. He refused to face you. Your thoughts? Uh, they don't make him like me anymore. You know, he had a full camp. You know, I, my my fight was uh, a couple weeks later, but I was ready to rock and roll. You know, it's a it's a different era out there. I guess you know that. You know, I'm not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. His best chance to, to beat me was, uh, you know, without a coach and being, uh, you know, dehydrating myself. So, you know, in the future, if uh, we face each other, you know, he's fucked. You know, I like that. It's a new era. You, your UFC debut was 2007. I mean, Max Holloway was still in high school. You are, 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 is the new generation soft? Is this where we're going? Uh, you know, this is, uh, I don't know. This is my time. You know, I don't. I don't really care what anybody else is doing. You know, I'm. I'm out here enjoying my moment. I'm. Uh, you know, this is what we signed contracts for was the fight. You know, I didn't. I didn't know. You know, we signed contracts to uh, do runway shows and be 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 modeling and and doing other bullshit. You know, this is why we signed contracts. Fight business. You know, shut up and fight. Hey, I can get behind that. You. I did read where you said this removes Ortega's gangster card. Can you tell me about that? No, uh, I didn't say that. You know, I just. Uh, basically pulled his card by, you know, I'm, I was wanting to step up, you know, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. You know, I hear he's crying about how he didn't get paid and oh, I did this and that. Well, you didn't, you didn't fight, so you don't get paid. So, you know, you can go back home and cry to mama about that one. So you've had this really interesting evolution as a fighter. You've always been fun. It's sometimes it's been all or nothing. Like we know when Jeremy Stevens fights, you're going to see something wild happen. That wild may be happening to you. But I feel like it's a different guy right now. When what changed? Did did anything change? Am I seeing things? I feel like I don't know. Like there's a little bit more technical, a little bit more patience. Is that part of the maturity and evolution? Yeah, for sure. You know, I explained this uh, like a few fights ago. You know, it's it's like a stew. You know, you got you got to let everything just sit and marinate, and it's gotta it's gotta be the right time. I really feel like this is prime time to be eating. And, uh, you know, everything's with my experience and my, my ups and downs and, and coming back and always getting better. And, you know, I hashed a lot of things out with my coach of where I was, uh, you know, 70-30, 60-40, or sometimes even 50-50, you know, going out chasing other coaches. You know, I, I cut all that shit out and just been 100% committed, uh, you know, a, a while back. You know, it's been over a year. And uh, I've, I've been committed to, to Alliance and Alliance only and just allowing only one head coach, and that's Eric Del Fiero, who's one of the bad, best bad, uh, head coaches in the game. And, you know, ever since being on board, it makes my job a lot easier. You know, I'm not battling myself in my mind. Do I need this? Do I need that? I'm just showing up. I'm putting in the work. I'm taking all my life lessons, fight experience, 
and um, I'm putting it in that right pot of stew, and it's, it's, it's the right time for me right now. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never really believed in myself like, like I have uh, to this day. And uh, I'm just ready to go out there and give 110%. And I know when I do that, people are painting on the canvas. Was there like an, I don't know if addiction is the right word, but was there an addiction because you know you can bang, you're a powerful dude, you, you, you're rugged, you got a good chin. Was there sometimes an addiction to just be that guy who the fans want you to be, which is this all-or-nothing brawler? Nah, not really. You know, I don't really give two shit what the fans think of me. You know, like, like I said a long time ago, I'm not, I'm not in here to be famous. You know, I'm, I'm here to whoop your ass and, and go home and take care of my family, and that, that's, that's still me to this day. You know, fans come and go, especially the American fans, you know. I feel like, uh, you know, you go outside the country, you know, you have some of the best, most loyalist fans ever, you know, and I, I don't really care much for, you know, I'm not trying to please anybody. I'm not trying to please a fan. I'm not trying to please please my mom or my dad. You know, I, I do this for me because I love it. And, uh, you know, that's just my style, and people are attracted to my type of style. I don't have to go in there and be something I'm not. I don't. I don't go chase bonuses. I don't go chase chase knockouts. I, I just. Uh, I just fight. And you know, from from all the fights and all the experience that I've had, I'm really piecing things together and getting with my head coach. I got a really good uh, laser-like focus, and uh, it's 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 really beaming right now. It's really hitting the target, and that's uh, that's all my focus is on. What fuels that focus? And I and I say, is it is it like a title? Is it the visions of being champion? Is is that part of it? No, it's just uh, it's just being me, being happy, giving myself one hundred and ten percent in this game. You know, fighting doesn't last very long, and it's not all who I am. I'm not just some just some fighter. You know, there's there's a lot to me more than that. Fighting is just a, a small portion of my life. It's something that I love to do, and it makes me happy. And, you know, in order for me to look back, I got to give myself 110%. You know, I have a few more years left in this sport. You never know when it could be the last day on earth. So I give myself 110% and my heart, my mind, my body, my soul is happy when I do that. So I just focus on me. Are there things you learned from, I mean, you're stepping up to a very elite level here against Aldo. It's a great fight. Are there things you learned when you stepped to that level before and, let's say, lost to Edgar and Holloway that, that you, it's helped you adapt and change? Yeah. I mean, it's everything we've been talking about before. You know, there, there is no such thing as, like, an elite level now. I've been competing with the best and, and, and above and beyond. I feel like there's, there's better, better opponents out there. And, 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 you know, people that I face, it's all, it's all part of the experience. You know, I'm, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to expose Aldo for what he is. You know, he hasn't evolved. He's on a decline. You know, Connor took his head. Max took his heart. You know, I'm going to put a knife and uh, dig into some uh, meat and bone here. Oh, wow. You're going to take a soul. Sounds like you're going to take a soul. I am. So, look, he's 31. You said he's on the decline. It's hard for anyone handicapping this to sort of gauge exactly where that is. We've seen guys who are at the very top suffer a couple of tough losses, and then they fall off of that cliff. You, you got to be obviously respectful that this guy's a legend and he may be able to resurrect it. But are are you expecting the wheels to fall off here completely? You know, the only thing that I care about is just me going in there giving one hundred ten percent. I'm expecting Aldo to show up and give me one hundred ten percent. And, you know, I, there's, I just feel like I'm, I'm better than him in, in every aspect of the game. You know, I, I, I truly believe that in my heart, my mind, I'm better than this guy. It's just going in there and get, getting the job done and performing at my capabilities. Like I said, if I go in there and give 110%, this guy's going to be painted on the canvas.
What do you think he didn't do, whether it was the McGregor knockout or the two losses to Holloway back at, back to back that that has taken him you know off of the throne, if you will? I don't care. I love that. I love that. This is I mean, this is this is some there's the Midwestern Iowa backbone coming out, Jeremy Stevens, to all business all the time. I don't care. Line them up. You'll take them out. Man, a few words. Man of right. heavy you fists, know, though. Come on. All right, a, a victory here. Just, Do you get the uh, title? All... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. A victory here. Is it automatic you get a title shot? Would you deserve it 100% with a victory overall, though, here? Four wins in a row. Uh, you know, I don't really care about that. I don't really focus on that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here showing up July 28th to whoop Aldo's ass. You know, anything else after that, we'll talk about it after the fight and after he's uh, on the canvas. All right. We love that moment where you traded words with Connor that time at the press conference. The who the F is that guy thing. That's become a thing. Does that follow you? Do you hear that all the time from fans now? Does it piss you off? Where are you at with that? No, nah, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people, they, they took the funny side of it, you know, of like, who the f- is that guy? But the real f- funny thing is, is that's really funny or may not be, is that I was actually stating facts, is that when I hit people, they don't f- move. You know, this guy TKOs people. When I hit people, they don't f- move. That's a fact. You know, you guys can take the funny side and laugh it off all you want. But you go back and check the f- tapes. There's people that that I've retired that don't move, like that are literally like, f- is this guy okay? They have to take an extra long break on Fox because it's just too hot to put on TV. I told these guys, I don't f- not. when I hit you, you're gonna not f- move, and then you're gonna wake up asking what happened. You know, you guys can laugh at it all you want, but look at the tapes. Go back and check the facts. You know, you, you, people, I'm a f- scary dude. People don't want to get in there with me because they know what they're gonna get. You're gonna get flattened out. Did you ever have a face-to-face with Connor after that or talk to him or share words or send him a DM, anything, any contact after that moment? I got to squeeze up on his mom after I knocked out Bermuda. Will you ever see him in an octagon? I don't, I don't know. I don't really care. You know, I'm, I'm here to talk about July 28th. You know, if you want to talk about Connor, call Connor up. I love it. I love it. This guy, Jeremy Stevens. Hey, man, great fight. Looking forward to it. Best of luck to you. Keep that fire. That same fire you got right now. Bring it into that damn cage. Go get him, man. Thank you. All right, King Mo. A lot like Joanna, Jose Aldo's got some questions to answer here. 31 years old. Lost three of his last four. Against super elite opponents, obviously, in Conor McGregor and Max Holloway. But all three he lost by violent knockout if you will you know I mean especially this rematch against Holloway he he went out on his shield he poured out the jar and he got the crap kicked out of him almost not as bad as Shogun Hua against John Jones in an elite title fight but it started to feel like that a bit at the end uh can, can he resurrect can he just bounce back like nothing happened he can with a proper game plan with Jeremy Stevens you just don't go out there and fight Jeremy Stevens you go out there and fight him with a game plan you just can't go out there and street fight Jeremy Stevens. He's too dangerous. He's very versatile. Oh, he's dangerous. <laughs> Knees, punches, takedowns, ground and pound, uppercuts. He has it all. Jose Aldo has to go out there and fight smart, fight finesseful. You gotta fight, you gotta fight Jeremy Stevens with finesse. Because he's a he's like a caveman. He's like Bonk. Remember Bonk from Turbo <laughs> Graphic 16? That's Jeremy Stevens. Wow, that's a shout. That's like 1992 shout out right there. That's young King Mo in Texas there playing some early <laughs> video games that are now in the graveyard extinct. 
Turbo no, Graphic I, 16. What do you got? Sega Saturn next? I mean, Sega CD. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, I, I really think that this fight is a dangerous fight for Jose Aldo. Dangerous. And <sighs> Jeremy Stevens is <sighs> like, regardless, like win or lose, man. He could have two, three, a three-fight losing streak, and it's still the, it's still hard to count him out because he's so damn dangerous. I like Jose Aldo a lot, but something about this fight rubbed the wrong way, and I feel like he might get, might get, might get, might get beat, man. Well, here's the thing about the little heathen, and you know this. I mean, he's got a record of 28 and 14. He's had a ton of couple fight losing streaks, but he seems to have figured out at 32. With this, exactly. with this three-fight win streak, right? Took a decision from Gilbert Melendez. Knocked out Duho Choi. Knocked out Josh Emmett. Where you're like, he's not that reckless guy as much anymore. Does he need to bring back some of that recklessness against Aldo? Or does he have to try to stay refined and think, I got to outpoint this guy? How does Little Stevens win this? Or little Heathen, Jeremy Stevens, win this? Well, let's be real. Heathens is more controlled, but he's still kind of... He still has that same style. He still has that... Go out there and get you out of there, style. He's a little more polished, but I think with Jose Aldo, he's to do what he normally does: show a little bit of everything, be be polished when you can. When you get Jose off, off balance and you get him reacting to something good, come with, come wild. You know, do what you do. I think that's what he's gonna do. I think that he's gonna go out there and not show. I think Jose Aldo will show him a little respect, but I think I think Jeremy Stevens will go out there, show him a little respect, and all of a sudden be like, you know what? F it, I'm gonna go for it. One thing about Aldo before we start to be like, oh, my God, you know, this could be the beginning of the end or blah, blah, blah. When he got knocked out by Connor, we were like, you know, he hadn't lost in 10 years. It is his it was his ghost taken in that fight. No, he comes out against Frankie Edgar less than a year later and puts on like a Mayweather-esque technical performance of just absolutely shutting him down over five rounds to win the interim title. But it did take a ton of damage in those two Holloway fights. And recently... His countryman, Henan Barrow, is a good example. When, they, when, when these champions fall off the cliff, it's a, it's a steep fall. It's not always easy to get back on the pogo stip and bounce back up. So there's, I want to see right away in round one that it's poised, controlled, game planning, outs, hard outside leg kick, Jose Aldo, rather than I'm a boxer, Jose Aldo. Well, well here's the thing. Like, I think you should do both, but here's the, the, the thing about Jose Aldo is people forgetting, you're forgetting the weight cut. I think Jose Aldo should have been up to 155 a while ago. You know what I'm saying? I think the weight cut, the weight cuts versus uh, uh, the weight cuts in the past kind of might 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 have ruined him. Henry Burrell, what hurt him was the weight cuts, and he's never been the same since. Weight cuts do damage, and if you're not used to it, if you don't have a good a good guy with a with the science behind the weight cuts, it can short your career. It can ruin you. And I'm not saying Jose Aldo's ruined, but I think maybe. You know, this fight's at 145, right? Yes. I think it's time for him to go up. It's I, been time for him to go up. He's going to face some big dudes there at lightweight, though. I mean, that's, that's a... Hey, hey. Well, yeah, but think about this. I've seen a trend. Guys are going up having success. Masters off. Dustin Poirier. Kevin Gastelum. These guys are going up. Oh, oh, Robert Whitaker went up for 170, 185. Champ. Daniel Cormier, 205. Back to heavyweight. Champ. You're going to see more people with success leaving these weight classes and going up because... RDA did, cut, yeah. Yeah, cutting weight, RDA, same thing, moved up, had success. Cutting weights tends to be, is now, is a little tad overrated. Yeah. All that weight cutting, it's overrated, man. Especially if, you, if you're, especially you're a striker and you're a person that's high energy, like Jose Aldo, it's not, it's not the business. 
All right. I feel like I, I feel like just like Joanna bouncing back, that Aldo bounces back here. Could be a fun fight. Could be a little bit wild. I have him winning a decision. How do you see this ending? <sighs> so that was a big sigh, yeah. Kingbo. It's a big sigh right there. You're gonna have to explain Look, that, man. Because uh, I like I love Jose Aldo. I like, it's a style. I remember watching him knock out Cub Swanson with that knee in San Diego. I was there. Um, I just think Jeremy Stevens, man. I'm going with the boy from Iowa. Love it. Something about him, man. I think that I just think that he's gonna go out there and not give a damn and get that knockout, second and third round. If he does. You're talking about a title shot. You really are. We don't know what's going to happen with Max. We know Ortega's waiting for a title shot. I mean, that's a leap if he comes in here and takes out Aldo and goes on a run. That and uh, let, me tell you, let me tell you this, right? I think he matches up good against Ortega. I think he matches up good. A great Ortega could, could possibly beat him, but I think just his style. And let's not forget Moicano. You know what I'm saying? There's some people, there's some killers in that weight class. You know what I'm saying? Moicano's <laughs> a killer right now. You know what I'm saying? I think Jeremy Stevens will win and I think that I think I think he might make I'm I think his time is now. Wow. I think Jeremy Stevens will mess around, beat Jose Aldo, get title shot and have success and win. F around and get a triple double. I love it. I love yep. it. All right. <laughs> Let's get into this main event. Before we do, talked to Dustin the Diamond. Poirier, my man. Let's hear it. Enjoy. <laughs> And I'm so damn fired up for this fight, Dustin the Diamond. I won't. I won't lie to you. Do you? Do you share that same enthusiasm as I do right now? Of course, you should be fired up. You should be. I tell people, Dustin, that your first fight with Eddie Alvarez last year was on its way to becoming a classic. Do you agree with that? I 100% agree that you are correct with uh, with that, man. I. Uh... Wait, but hey, we get to finish it next week, man. But it was definitely a classic. Take me back into that second round, how you were feeling, where you thought the direction of the fight was going, and then, of course, what happened and how it ended. I uh, thought I had him hurt really bad. Obviously, I did. Um, he hit me with a shot. I ended up with my back on the fence. He, he shot a double leg. I, I went for a guillotine. He tripped me up. And as I was building back on the fence, getting back to my feet, he started throwing knees. And uh, the first two were, were glancing or one missed, one glanced, and, and then one got me real good. That's exactly what happened. Was that uh, the most dangerous, uh, the most damaging strike of the fight up to that point? Oh, the knee for sure. No doubt. Hands down. You know, I've seen comments from you in, in, in recent months ahead of this fight saying maybe your thoughts have changed. Maybe you thought he did that on purpose. Where do you stand on that now? I just had more respect for him as a human being uh, before the fight and in the moment. So that's why I, I told them to stop booing him. And, you know, maybe it was accident. But seeing the way he reacted to the stuff that happened after, I, I don't know anymore, you know. If if it was the nefarious, thing, why? If it was, if he did it on purpose, what would be the reason in that spot in the in that moment in the fight? Because he was fighting for his life. He was doing anything in his power to to hurt me. You know. Sure, sure thing. 
fight or flight, and he, he doesn't fight. You know, he's a fighter. I'll give him that. But we knew that going into the fight. Was there a, a certain comment in the aftermath of this fight that, that, that stung you the most in, in the back and forth you guys have had? Um, him saying that I wanted out of the fight or he, one time he tweeted that I, he said, you finally off your stool yet or something. I just don't see how you can take shots. That's where I lost the respect for him. I don't see how you can take shots at somebody when you did something illegal and the fight was stopped because you did something illegal. You know what I mean? Sure thing. You know, Eddie fighting out of his, out his contract with this bout. What's your take on that? Whether he had five fights left on his contract or this is his last one, he's going to sleep the same way next weekend in the middle of that octagon. Wow, you can put that on a poster. You can sell the fight with that sentence right there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to punish this guy. All right, since that fight, of course, you both had to walk through the fire against Justin Gaethje. I mean, this guy wants to eat people's souls, but you both came through on top. Whose win was more impressive? Uh, tough to say. I, I think I've, I've watched his fight with Justin twice, and obviously I've seen mine a few times. They were both impressive. Justin's a tough guy, man. He's a, he's a tough guy. Um, we both took him out of there. Both great fights. Both fight of the night. I, I don't know. I think uh, tough to say. You know, he he got him out of there with a knee. I got him out of there with my hands. They were both impressive. I like my work better, though. <laughs> Do you feel any kinship with Eddie Alvarez? Like maybe you guys are wired the same way. You know, we're both. You know that, that famous line he said, don't bring the dog out of me? Well, this is going to be a dog fight, so you can say we're similar. I like that. I like that. Uh, we Eddie's had such a fun career, I guess you could say. We, we A lot of fans fell in love with him, you know, even pre-Bellator days, and then certainly through that run because he's a blood and guts guy. He, he, he's vulnerable, but he bounces back. Then he had that run, you know, get, through getting the title where I felt he was as poised as I've ever seen him. Last few fights, though. Would you agree that he's sort of devolving more back into that brawler? Yeah, he's being more flat-footed and throwing looping shots. But what you said at the beginning of this question is 100% correct. The guy is, you know, arguably one of the best lightweight. You know, his resume is one of the best lightweight fighters in the, in the history of, of mixed martial arts. The guy's been doing it at the highest level for a very long time. He's been a champion in every organization he's fought in. when you compare where you guys are at in your career, and certainly you're a few years younger than him, you, uh, you know, I could say right here, you're, you're, the, you're at the best point I've ever seen you. You're at your physical prime. What would you say simultaneously about Eddie? Where is he at in the overall arc in his career at this point? He's still a very dangerous fighter, but, uh, you know, a fighter with a lot of experience, but he's on his way down. He, uh, and that's just, that's not me taking shots at him. That's just life. That's just what happens. You know, fighters don't age gracefully. And uh, you'll realize the difference when we get in there next weekend. Fair, very fair. Very fair. I've, you know, I've talked to you before and asked you this, but right now it, it seems to be still a great question. Your return to lightweight, slowly but surely you started to evolve. Maybe the right word is mature. 
you've only had one loss now in the last four years. What has been the key in this change in your career? Is there is there one thing? Is it just growing older? You know how when you how do you describe this maturation in the recent years? You know, it's just growing up in the sport. Like I I, I got into this organization. I got into Zufa when I was a kid. I mean, I think I had six professional fights maybe. I was a kid. I got signed early, and I went through the fire, and, and I learned a lot about myself. And I'm, I'm a man now with a family, with a daughter, and you learn a lot of lessons doing that, you know, uh, handling business, you know, raising a daughter, um, being a husband, being a son. Just over the years, I've learned a lot about myself and about life, and that ties into fighting. I, I realized that fighting is just a part of my life. It used to be everything to me, you know, but now it's not. It's just a part of my life. It's just something I do. I'm Dustin Poirier, a father, a husband, a son, a brother. You know, I'm, I'm a lot of things. I used to think, I used to feel like fighting was was everything. And, you know, it's still a huge part of my life. It's how I feed my family. And But it's just fighting. And I think me caring less has helped me out a lot. That's really interesting. Because, like, you, you sound like when you were younger, when you first got the UFC, you lived it, you ate it, you breathed it. It was all you thought about. But yet maybe not stressing about it as much as that sort of made you free in there? 100%, man. I, uh, I just sit back and, and look at the whole picture and I'm, I'm so, so humbled by being able to do what I love every day and give my family a good life. And, uh, you know, I get to hang out with my buddies. These are people I, I like to be around. We get to work out and train and, and pick each other's brains about fighting and about all, all types of different things. You know, I'm, I'm living a, a fun life and I just enjoyed everything. I enjoyed the ride. You know, I don't feel as much stress. Obviously some days are tougher than others. You know, fighting isn't, isn't an easy thing to do for a living, but you know, it doesn't overwhelm me like it used to. Every small detail, everything, everything that I'm talking to you in this interview about right now, I would be, you know, stressing about answers and stuff. I don't care anymore. You, you're seeing the real Dustin now. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh... I, I know. I, I know I, I put in the work, and don't get it twisted just because I'm saying it's not a, you know, I care less doesn't mean that I'm a maniac. I'm obsessed with this, but it just means a little bit something different to me in perspective now that I have a daughter and, and other things are going on in my life. You know, fighting, obviously, at this level, you have to be you have to be in it all the way. And I am. I'm a student of the game. That's what got me this far. That's that's what's going to keep me here. But I'm just having fun, taking it day by day, believing I'm going to be the world champion. And, and learning from my mistakes. And, and that's where I'm at right now. I think you might have uh, the best resume for somebody who's never had a UFC title shot yet. So if you beat Eddie Alvarez, the former champion, how close are you? Because in most divisions, you'd probably get it next. But I say this question loaded because this division is mayhem at the top with, with in terms of scheduling and who's healthy and who's not and all that. So what does a win right here do for you? I believe with my heart that I go out there next Saturday and beat Eddie Alvarez and I'm fighting for the belt. That's what I think. Do you ever think about who you would be fighting for that belt in light of the uncertainty, right, with with how the titles change hands and and who may or may not be coming back? I know – you may, I mean, how, you may tell me how you crazy don't. of a question is that? that? That's a crazy question for this division. It could be I, I could be fighting Ally Quinta, or I could be fighting Kevin Lee for the title, the way this division has been going. I don't know, but as long as the belt's on the line, I'm there. 
Well, if you look at the rest of the year, I know you can't see the future, but and I know you may not care about it because you're worried about Dustin Poirier getting to the next level and getting to that title shot, but who will Khabib fight? Will, will Tony slide in there? Will Connor? What, what is the future going to look like for this division? Or how, how should it look? I have no clue. I uh, You got a guy who won the lightweight belt and then took so much time off and fought a, a, in boxing that he got you know the belt taken from him. And you have a guy who was the interim champion who injured himself and got the belt taken from him. So, you know, those guys are, are first, I think. It just comes down to to the time frame, and uh, we'll see what happens. Very, very fair. But All I right. know one thing for sure. One thing for sure is 25 minutes next Saturday with a legend in the sport, and that's what I'm focused on. My good friend and your teammate, if you will, King Mo Lawal, told me, you're the only man capable of defeating lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedov. Instead, he said he's 90% sure on this. Why, if that's a true statement, and I'm sure you believe it, why is that true? Because I'm the best in the world. And, you know, a lot of people only see clips of fights. And, uh, you know, Mo has seen me train, and he knows the knowledge I have of fighting and the abilities my body has and the things that I can do. He's seen me with the best guys day in, day out on the mats. And uh, he knows my skill level and what I'm capable of. And, um, you know, ever, soon the world will know. All right, in closing, is this fight going the distance, or are we going to have some real closure? No, no, no contests, no DQs. We're going to have a finish in this main event, UFC Calgary. True or false? I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish Eddie Alvarez. And, and if by the grace of God he survives, what's going to happen to him? We'll both be going to the hospital. There it is. There it is. Dustin the Diamond. Love talking to you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Dustin the Diamond. Is that a uh, Saved by the Bell reference there? I'm sure people ask you this all the time. No. No, this is crazy. Tim Crater gave me this nickname. All right. All right. So it's not a Screech Powers reference. I'll, I can get behind you on that because you're more of a Zach Morris guy in the in the Saved by the Bell sphere. Is, is that your thing? Do you get down like that? Uh, you know, back in the day, not so much... Uh... I get down with it, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I get down with it. All right, we're, we're, we're vibing together. Hey, best of luck, man. Thanks for the time. Can't wait to see this. Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Eddie Alvarez, my man. How is it? What's up, brother? Great to talk to you because you're, you're a straight shooter inside or outside of that damn cage. You know what I'm talking about, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. All right. Big time fight this weekend. Fired up. I, I just talked to Dustin. I'm not here to stir things up like the media likes to do, Eddie. But the media and the fans are like are reading the comments from both of you, and we can't help but get fired up. Tell me about the blood here. It's bad. It seems a little bad. <laughs> not bad on my part. Look, <laughs> Dustin's a little angry. I met him in Calgary when we did our media shoot. It seemed very tense. I'm very angry. He's taking this fight very seriously. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, to the fight. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's exciting. It's not not every fight is full is full of animosity and emotion. But when you do get one that is, it just makes it all that more better. Well, I, I tried to get to the root of it, Eddie. And Dustin's a serious dude this time around, like you said. And he said, when you tweeted, "Are you finally off of your stool yet?" 
He said he lost all the respect right there and really started to question your intention. Do you know that tweet that he's talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it was good, right? <laughs> did, did you know that was going to... Yeah, um, I look, I, when I tweet and do things, um, I, I usually do them for fun, and I think uh, people should laugh, and, and everybody should be entertained by it. So um, I, don't, I don't care how he feels about it, you know? If it got under his skin, then good. Hopefully I can tweet some more things that get under his skin. All right, the, the, the big hook at the, up. At the, very le- at, the ve- at the very least, what's he going to do? Punch me? There you go. You got to do that anyway. There it is. There it is, right? <laughs> this is all extra. This is gravy to get the people fired up. But there's a natural story here. You fought last year. Controversial ending. Tell me your side of it. I know you told this story, Mug. You fought in between. It's old news. But the old news is back. What happened in that second round there in Dallas? Dustin caught me with a good shot. He had he had me against the ropes. He was trying to finish me. And um, he couldn't, couldn't land the finishing shot. I catch him with a really hard left hook, kind of wobbled him and took him down. And he was, he was sort of on his way out. I need him twice legally. I need him twice legally. When he dropped to the ground, at this point, I was just kind of fighting instinctually. Um, I never do anything ever, anything ever that I do outside the rules intentionally. Never. I'm just not that kind of guy. I've never been that kind of guy, and um, I never will be. So um, to even question that is foolish. If, if you know who I am and you've watched me fight uh, for the years I have, it's it's just silly to even think about that. But um, I threw a knee. It, it hit him. It, it was um, it was question. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are because I don't care what the rules are. Um, that's up to the referee, and um, the referee called it what he called it. Do you think Dustin tried to bait you? In and- my perspective. Do you know you know that little game people play? They put one hand down, they put two hands down, no hands down. Try to bait. Do you try to bait you at all in your eyes? Um. So I think he was playing the game a little bit, but then uh, once once I hit him with the second knee, I think he was the spirit was kind of leaving him. He he already got hit with a shot. His eye was cut wide open. Blood was spilling on the floor, and I think he just got a little bit overwhelmed. And um and when when the referee asked him if he wanted to continue, I truly believed that he was conscious and he was clear-headed, and he, and he said no to the ref. Um, I think if you're a fighter and you're conscious and you're clear-headed, you do whatever you can to continue the fight. All right, in talking to him, he said, because you heard him in the cage, he said he had a lot of respect for you, let's do a rematch, blah, blah, blah. He said the respect did change that tweet that I mentioned, and he said from that point forward... As he thinks about the situation in his mind, he thinks you need him on purpose as a way to get out of the fight. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care what he thinks. <laughs> I know. I, I I know. I know what it is. I, I I you. If I wanted to get out of the fight, when he hit me with a left hand, I would have curled up in a ball and just let the ref uh, stop the fight. I never want to get out of a fight. I beg. If I was in that on that stool in the same position he was, I would beg the referee to not stop the fight. I've been in that position number of times during my career. The same position he was, where a referee is threatening 
to stop the fight on me. And I begged them with everything in me, please let this fight continue because I'm a fighter. That's what fighters do. Yeah, you do. You do have that history without question. Did 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 you agree with me though that the that the early stoppage, the craziness, the you know you almost got DQ'd, it was a no contest that that robbed us of a fight that was going in the direction of fight of the year. That fight was going in the direction of me winning by knockout. That's where that fight was headed, either knockout or submission. That fight was going in the direction of W in my in my favor, not in his. His spirit was in the middle of breaking, and you guys got robbed of another victory by me. That's the only victory you got robbed of. I don't care what happened before that. Like, if I have a, if you if you talk to a lot of my opponents, they're all going to say the same exact thing he's saying to the public. I was winning. They're all going to say that I was winning. You either win or you don't win. I mean, that is not. I was winning. This is a fist fight. Very, very fair in that regard. Well, you both in the interim since this have fought Justin Gaethje, who proclaimed he's the most violent man in America, I think, or MMA or something. I mean, I think he was ready to eat your soul, Eddie, but you both stopped him. Which one was more impressive? No, I've done it. I did it earlier. I did it before he did. <laughs> Are you now the lineal violent champion? Yeah. And I knocked him out by knee. And technically, I think, I mean, I knocked Dustin out by knee. That's two knee knockouts in a row. Maybe I go for three in a row. I like that. I like that. Uh, he did give you your props, of course. You know, he says you're a legend of this division. So do you think you're arcing that way and angling that way where, you know, you're still in the prime of your career? I'm not saying let's start talking about you know, stepping aside, but I'm saying, do you believe you have built a resume that says you're one of the best lightweights in the history of the sport? Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's very arguable. Um, I'm not just talking, we're not talking in one promotion. We're talking about a number of promotions and uh, it's being at the top three, top five in the world for, eight to 10 years, eight to 10 years. I'm not, not a year, not two years, not three years, almost 10 years being in the top five in the world. So, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'll try to fight the best guys in the world, no matter where I go. That's, that's all I want to do. I want to fight the best guys in the world, the most dangerous guys and put on entertaining fights for the fans. That's it. If you are not the best lightweight in MMA history, who is? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a great, that's a great question. I know by the time I'm done, no, uh, I don't think anybody would have done what I've done for as long as I've done it. That's, that's my goal. All right. What is your take or prediction or view on the future of the top end of this division. And I say that meaning, obviously, you want to beat Dustin. That's going to put you somewhere right close to the title. But the title situation is a mess. So what will happen? What should happen? What's the next six months going to look like? I could picture myself uh, fighting the Russian, the undefeated Russian, and uh, and uh, doing what 
you know, there was a there was a Russian who was undefeated that everybody thought was unbeatable a uh, long time ago, and it took a Philadelphia guy to come in, a uh, huge underdog to beat him, and that was that was in the movie Rocky. So <laughs> I'd like to reenact that. I'd like to reenact that in real life. It's uh, it's going to take a Philadelphian to beat him, to take him to take him off his uh, off his throne. So I'm looking forward to that. Do you have any comments about the man known as Conor McGregor who may slide in them DMs and steal everybody's title shot potentially? No, I wish him the best. And uh, there's not, there's not in any of us. No lightweight in this division is going to do about that. The um, the mach- the machine runs itself, and and then the money comes first. So nothing we're going to do about that. But sit back and watch it. Uh, so not not even really to, to say or argue or be mad about. What would have happened to Eddie Alvarez next if he threw a dolly through a window of a bus? Fair question. <laughs> um, I think we all know the answer to that question. Very true. Very true. All right. Now tell me what this fight, Calgary main event, tell me what it's going to look like. I know what the first one looked like. And I got that incompletion, right? I didn't get the finish. What is this fight going to look like? Uh, look, it's not going to. I think it's going to start quickly. It's going to start fast. Um, the first fight had like a buildup. It had like a, um, a feeling out process a little bit. There was a bit of a buildup and a feeling out. And I, I don't feel like that's going to happen. I think from round one to about round two and then i think you'll get your you'll get your answer by then do you do you still dream about that title eddie is it is it something that obsesses that you're obsessed with every waking second i think about it all the time look i've had i've had world titles i've lost them i've won them again um i think this is going to happen all over again i think i lost my world title for a reason It, it brought me great great gratitude and understanding and um it gave me the emotional energy to to push back and go after it again so i think i lost a lot of energy and i lost a lot of uh, oomph when i won the title and when i lost it i got that fire in my belly again so um it feels good feels good to be energetic as as energetic as i am there he is the king of all violence eddie alvarez thank you for your time sir really excited for this fight always great to talk with you Thanks, bro. All right, King Mo, I'm fired up for this one. And the main reason, outside of the fact that it's two lightweights that are really exciting, is that when we saw this bout last year, let's 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 take it back. We got robbed of this was the the, the date was May thirteenth, twenty seventeen, UFC two eleven in Dallas. We were on our way to like a classic. Four minutes into round two, they're having like a round of the year. Two guys emptying the tank, going for it. And then we see the illegal knees from Alvarez when Poirier had one hand down, two hands down, one hand down. It's ruled to no contest. It could have been a DQ loss for Alvarez very easily. Both go their separate ways. But both sign up to fight the king of all violence, Justin Gagey, and both walk through the fires of hell to stop him and both now circle back to each other. Is there any reason that I should expect anything 
but violence and carnage and high skill level within that and two lightweights that want to get back to the top and are willing to fight to the death to get there. Man, I just sounded like I was doing an infomercial for UFC 1, but I'm fired up for this, King Mo. Yeah, I'm fired up, but I don't think it's going to be what you think. I think that Dustin go out there and whitewash this dude, man. Wow. I think Dustin's going to stomp him. I've been watching, man, look, Dustin's probably the best fighter at the gym, along with Moicano and Pedro Munoz, in my opinion, and Amanda Nunez and Kayla Hill. We got, we got killers there. But one thing, I watched Dustin spar. I spar with Dustin myself. Dustin has hands. He Good, good ground game. Wrestling game's gotten better. I watch him train with Mark Dacasi every day, Tony Martin every day, Will Brooks. I just think that, and if you watch that fight, he was putting hands all, all, all over, all over Eddie Alvarez. It's just that he got reckless and got close, and Eddie clipped him, and then that scramble happened. I think he's going to be more disciplined. I think Dustin's going to box him up. I think Dustin might get a takedown here and there, but I think Dustin's going to box him up and mess around and stop him. Ooh, let's say second round. Dustin wow. played by stoppage. So Poirier's got a little bit of a Jeremy Stevens thing going on, but it's more dramatic. And I say he was more of a you know wild brawler. You could lure him in earlier in his career. He's refined himself. He's refined himself incredibly. Where when we saw him before that Gage G fight against Anthony Pettis last November, TKO via rib injury, he put it on Anthony Pettis. Like that was a standout, dominant performance. Outside of that KO loss to Michael Johnson in 2016, since moving back to lightweight, he has looked incredible. Really, I think I mean, he's looked incredible. He's pa- poised. He's patient. He knows when to explode. And if your prediction is going to come true, it may be also because Eddie Alvarez was reckless. Eddie Alvarez in Bellator, and he made so many fun fights where in which he got hurt. Well, and he wait, was come out, come out. Don't forget just Bellator. Let's go back to Dream. Yes, I mean he's he's one dream. of he's one of my favorite fighters in the last you know decade to watch, but. He had this three-fight run when he came to UFC where he was, like, a little bit more controlled and poised. The close loss to Cerrone. The split decision went over Gill. The split on, decision. That wasn't a close loss to Cerrone. That was a whitewash. Cerrone had his way with them. That That's true. Close. That's true. Unanimous. Yeah, you're right. Cerrone did. He, 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 he kept distance well. The two tight split decisions over Pettis and Melendez, and then he knocks out Dos Santos. We're like, whoa. But since then, since he had a horrific game plan against Connor and got lured into a brawl, I think we're seeing the old guy again. We're seeing the old brawling Eddie Alvarez who's like, you know what, I'm the, I'm the king of all violence. Let's do it. If he comes out there with that mentality, your prediction may be true because Poirier's a little bit fresher, a little bit wait, 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 a little bit. Look, go back and watch Eddie, Eddie Alvarez and Bodog. Go back and watch him in Dream. I watched him fight. I think he watched, he fought um, um, Kawajiri. I was there, or, or Joaquin Hansen. He yes. fought Joaquin Hansen. I was there. I watched both of them fights. You watch those fights. You see the damage he took. You watch him in, when he fought um, when he fought um, Michael Chandler both oh, times. Wow. The damage oh, yeah. he took. You watch him when he fought Gaethje. The damage he took. You watch him when he fought even even Cerrone. He was getting boxed up and body kicked and beat up by Cerrone at, 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 at distance. Like he takes a beating. And look, let's not. Let's, the secret is it's not a secret, but he's from Philly. He boxes in Philly. Trains with guys in Philly a lot. If you look at the history of Philly boxers and fighters, they end up leaving it all in the gym. Gym wars, yes. Gym wars. Look, look, look at um, Mildred Taylor. Yes. A perfect example, a prime example. Mildred Taylor left it all in the gym. There, Demetrius Hopkins left it all in the gym. Demetrius Hopkins was one of his sparring partners at one point. 
And you I have to ask you this, Kimo. Even though he stopped Gage G in round, th round three in December, he went, like, I mean that. He went through hell to get there. Like, he, what type of damage did he take to get that victory? Well, let's, let's be real. The way the fight was looking, it was looking like Gaethje was coasting to a, to a win, possibly a stoppage. Probably, possibly a stoppage because, hey, Eddie Alvarez, always, he was fighting, but you could see him when he shakes his head, and he was backing up, and he was swinging, but he was taking some shots. Dustin, under, to me, Dustin had, had, did a better job versus Gaethje, in a sense, in my opinion. He, he had more control in that fight, where, Ed, where Eddie Alvarez didn't have the control in the fight. He was going to get bounced around and pushed around and get controlled, where Dustin was like, you know what? I'm not going to stand in front of this guy. I'm going to box him up a little bit. I'm going to stick and move. I'm going to let my kicks. I'm going to counter him when I can. I'm going to touch his body. You saw Dustin do kicks, punches, body shots, everything. But when you watch Eddie Alvarez fight Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, was, like, he was more willing to sit there and just fight in that range. He was more accepting. I don't think he can do that with Dustin. And I, the thing is, I think he will do that with Dustin. I don't think he should, but I think he'll do that with Dustin and, and just take whatever Dustin gives him and be like, forget it, let's fight. The odds, which float, of course, but as of this second, Poirier a minus 170 favorite. Eddie Alvarez plus 150. I think those are right on because obviously it's still a dangerous fight. They, they, we, they showed you last year how they can brawl against each other, but I like Poirier. I don't know if he's going to stop him. He may have to Man. stop him. Eddie may, look, Eddie may force himself into a stoppage. Look, Eddie, Eddie fight, Eddie fight, Eddie's, it's hard to explain, but Eddie fights so, like, crazy. Not crazy, but so, like, you know, he's, like, just one-track-minded. Like, that like, it's going to happen. Just like Gaethje. Gaethje, when Gaethje fights, he's bound, he won't get decision. He'll get stopped for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Eddie Alvarez is the same way. Like, he puts himself in danger in, in, in time, at times when you don't need to be in danger. Yeah. Hey, I like this card. I'm fired up for it. I hope the fans out there enjoy it. King Mo, on the way out here, I'm uh, going to be off for the week. It's the 40th birthday, King Mo. I'm getting old. old. I got old balls, King Mo. You're not there yet. You're knocking on the door. You're 37. You're holding strong. You're still <laughs> fighting there. I was going to say, you got any advice on getting old, but uh, you're in a lot better shape than, than I am. So uh, I'm going to grow old gracefully. Going on a nice camping trip. A little getaway with the family should be good. Uh, King Mo, um, what else you got going on in your life? Anything to tell the, tell the people here? What's happening? Man, me, I'm just chilling, training, and watching boxing and combat sports, man. Nothing really changes with me. Just uh, right now, looking to, um, like I said, they that Grand Prix, like Bellator, if y'all have that middleweight Grand Prix, pencil, like, don't, don't, don't pencil me. Pin me in. Yes. Tight in. Because right now, I'm sitting around like 202. Two oh one, two oh two. I'm not even. I'm just chilling. I'm a mean to. I'm eating, but hyperthyroid does that. You know what I'm <laughs> so I'm good. King Mo, I want to close with an Ask King Mo segment here. You're like a, you're a businessman. You don't get too emotional win or lose about fights. It seems this is like a business transaction each time. Do you have a win that like you love that when you see when you go back and call it up on YouTube, you get all fired up. Do you have a win that just, yeah, man, I did it. You got any of those? You have victories in your life that are true victories? Nah, I, I'm going to be real with you. I haven't gone back and watched no fights. And then my fights, like, I, I watched them, like, clips, like, hey, you made a mistake here. But as far as watching my whole fights, nah, I don't Are you really going to wait till you're old and, like, smoking a cigar with the grandkids one day and you're like, let me tell you about the time I knocked out Seth Petrozelli. Let's do it. <laughs> nah, I'm like, like, you know what? Like, really, when, what's in the past is in the past. I just have to go back and study the mistakes or learn from the past but for the most part once i'm done fighting i'm gonna help coach help train maybe do some do something in fighting but 
I'll leave my career. Once I'm done fighting, I'm not going to worry about my career and dwell uh, on it. Hey, I'll worry about your career for you. So after I book you into a trilogy with Manuel Newton, we're going to go to Dagestan together, and we're going to knock on the door of Sazid Sadzadov, the guy who controversial <laughs> beat you in the 2005 World Wrestling Championships in Hungary. We're going to get that win back because I, I read Wikipedia tells me you got screwed. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I will play like this. With one second left, they hit him with some some mystery point, mystery penalty for, passivi- for the, passivity. Yeah, with one second left, but I took him down. I took him down. How was I passive? But the thing is, things happen. You know, that's the past. But you know what? Like I like Sajjad. He was one of my favorite wrestlers. He beat Kel Sanderson. He was the man. And I almost had him beat. Almost didn't. But you know what? I had a great time competing against the man. Right. Great hey, times competing. That's 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 awesome. I'll I'll give you respect for that. Uh. Oh, yeah, and to, speaking of Dagestan and Russia, Conor, she's Conor McGregor at the World Cup with uh, Putin. What the heck's going on here? Are we going to see Conor uh, Habib? Is this what this is telling us? Well, it, it, what, 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 what's telling you on the other side, if you look at it, think about it, it's telling you that Putin doesn't really care much for Habib. And he doesn't care much for Dagestan because you have a guy, Habib was at the World Cup, too, in Moscow. Wow. Yet you didn't see one picture with him and Putin. Yes. But you did see Putin with Conor McGregor. I see Putin with Steven Seagal a lot, too. Yeah. Slap in the face to, Putin, um, to, to, to Habib. That's telling me that, really, I don't think the Conor McGregor-Habib fight is going to happen anytime soon. Wow. You heard that here from King Mo. You've been right before, so we'll see. I hope you're wrong, because I want to see that October 6th I hope I am, too. But the thing is, like, Habib will go out there. If the fight happens, he'll go out there, take down Round the pound, submission, any way he wants the first. I think maybe the first two rounds, maybe the first or second round, Habib wins. Easy. All right. All right. Can I get you to face Machida? Can I work this? Can I book this? I want to see that, too. I want to see King Mo Machida. I love Leo, right? though, but if they want to make the fight happen, I'll gladly fight with Machida. I'm, I'm, look, I just want to fight. Have a good time fighting and cash these checks. Yeah, that's cashing the checks is what it's all about. Follow him on Twitter at King Mo FH. B. Campbell, CBS for myself. King Mo, enjoy. Your time this week, I know you, you live in the gym, so this is not, you know, life life is training camp for you, all right? Yeah. You live in the damn gym, and maybe you can give people a message, something, you know, on the way out here. And the message is, we out. We out. We out.